No, then we won't be able to take back all this stuff, right? No, we can't take anything all back All the controversial now. stuff. All, right? We need all the... Con- well, actually, we don't need all the... Cancer We're not going back into YouTube no. jail. No. Wait, are you saying... Andrew, what was the name of that? What was the name of that uh, movie that you were how to be with? how to be a player? How to be a player? Mm-hmm. Where, I feel um, like oh, I feel like this is like the uncle that we get to ask any uncle, questions. Uncle to. Fred, because Uncle Fred was the OG player. Uncle Fred, yeah. right here. <laughs> uncle Tony. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Podcasting today. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway, uh, before we get to diving in on the many questions that we always have for Doctor Tony Huge. Uh, we got to talk about our sponsor. We got Merrick Health and uh, Merrick Health. You're going to want to go to their website and sign up for the consulting because not only will you be getting your blood work done, but you'll also be getting comprehensive uh, interpretation of that blood work. And you're going to have somebody that's working with you explaining what particular supplements you might need or some other routes that you might go. They have the ability to prescribe stuff to you. You're going over uh, your blood work with a uh, with a doctor. So I know many people um, just aren't well. They don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, I think a great uh, place to start is kind of look under the hood, maybe get your blood work done. Something you guys got to check out, especially if like, you know, you do have issues um, and you don't know what's going on underneath. Like that's one thing that I was super concerned about because I, had, I haven't had blood work done since I was 21 or 22. So everything was feeling good, but I didn't know if everything was good. So it was good reassurance on like my cholesterol, everything um, made a lot of sense of things. So. Yes, you get it done. Checked out. Yeah. And the thing that I really like about Merrick is like they have some like a patient care coordinator that can help decipher the stuff. So mm-hmm. back when me and Tony were hanging out a lot more, I had him, to, you know, that I could show him my labs and he was he was very knowledgeable, but not everybody has a Tony Huge <laughs> in their back pocket. Nope. So thankfully we have Merrick and um, they're just I mean, they're 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 the premium telehealth trt clinic you know they have the absolute best stuff um mark was going to them before we ever started working with them so that should tell you enough and um so if you guys do want to take advantage of merrick health you can guys you guys can head over to merrickhealth.com so that so that's m-a-r-e-k health.com um they have tons of panels for literally everything um and the cool thing is when you use promo code power project 15 you get 15 percent off all of those panels but let's just say you don't know where to start we also got your back for that so you can head over to merrickhealth.com slash power project and you'll see the power project panel that has 26 different labs everything you're going to want to know about Everything, literally everything, testosterone, estrogen, prolactin, your T3, thyroid, all that good stuff. There are female panels too. Yes. Thank you, Ensema. That's right. Because I did see the question that had come in on a comment a, a couple of videos ago. And yes, they do treat females. And this panel, it, they also have a female panel. Um, and this uh, package also comes with a consult with your patient care coordinator and a written report. So you have everything, um, you know, kind of written out real easy for you. Again, that's a MerrickHealth.com slash Power Project to use promo code Power Project for $101 off of that. Links to everything we just talked about just now down in the description as well as the podcast show notes. Tony, you and your crew, that's kind of all you guys talk about, right, is blood work. A lot of times you guys are talking about like what happens when you take, uh, you know, this particular thing or when you take this particular supplement. Does it actually do anything? You've been getting your blood work done for what, a decade, maybe more? 
Yeah, I do a lot of experimentation on myself of underground yeah. chemistry. So I've got to do the blood work so I know what it's doing. There's a lot body. of people that don't do it, though. There's yeah. a lot of people that will take uh, performance enhancing drugs and they just kind of are just uh, going about it whatever way. And some people just yeah. with rec drugs too, recreational things, they're just maybe not sure of what's going on. So it's well, great. Most human work. diseases, they accumulate over time. And if you catch them early, they're easy to treat. Yep. But if you wait too long, sometimes it's too late. I mean, cancer is the best example, right? If you catch cancer early, there's usually a lot of things you can do to prevent it. But you catch it too late, and it's and there's nothing you can do about it. So there's all these different organs in our body that you, you don't know what's going on unless you look at the lab work. And the lab work's not the end at all, right? If, you, if lab work comes back really bad, you can treat it and all that. But you can also do more diagnostics like ultrasounds and stuff like that. But the lab work's just the easiest thing to go in and get a great picture of your overall health and and be able to figure out if there's something you need to look into more now to prevent a bigger problem later. Was there anything real concerning about your blood work more recently? Um, or have you had blood work done recently since oh. you've lost, what, 40 pounds? Yeah, I've, I get blood work done all the time. So I'm in Thailand and blood work there's, you know, pretty really easy and, and cheap to get. So mm -hmm. I, I get it frequently. Oh, nice. And uh, I had it done right before I had the flu. <laughs> and then right right after and then again right before I came to Thailand. So I had a pretty comprehensive lab work and I could see, you know, before I had really bad cholesterol and my liver was my liver enzymes were always elevated. And then after Rona, now my most recent blood work, okay, there's some really bad things, like a lot of clotting and inflammation. And mm. we know that's those are normal effects of it. And that's staying with you currently after you had the Yeah, flu. I still have the clotting. My D-dimer, that's how you measure your, your clotting. And you want to be between zero and 500, you know, as low as possible, preferably you know, as close to zero. And in the flu patients that we're seeing that are actually dying, they're having over 2,000. Oh, geez. 2,000, 2,200. Um, and I've got 2,500 right afterwards. So mine was just absolutely extreme. That means I have blood clots all over my body that at any one time, mm. one could dislodge and give me a stroke, give me a heart attack, uh, block the blood flow to my lungs and pulmonary embolism, all kinds of things. Do you think that this is maybe a little extra concern, uh, you know, with the pandemic, with the virus that's uh, swirling around? Do you think people that have uh, utilized performance enhancing drugs that may have uh, increase their red blood cell count, maybe some, maybe even just folks that aren't on performance enhancing drugs, but uh, have sleep apnea. Like, do you think mm. that, you know, uh, this virus uh, would, would potentially be more dangerous to some of those people? Yeah. So us bodybuilding people, on the one hand, we exercise and we eat healthy and that gives us a huge advantage. We have really good immune systems usually. We're usually aware of nutrient deficiencies and, you know, we're, we, uh, we, our bodies are uh, health, much healthier than the average individual. But we're at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to this specific virus because we have thicker blood if we're using these compounds, mm, yeah. like you said. Mm. I have higher platelets. The more, you know, platelets are what clot when you, when you, mm. when you get a cut or something. And if the more platelets you have, the more you're going to clot, the faster you're going to clot. And I have high platelets. So I'm, prone to blood clots mm. and this virus actually causes blood clots. So you, now you have two major factors, like a, being a bodybuilder, you're already predisposed to blood clots and then this virus causes blood clots. So, so bodybuilders are at a disadvantage there. So, you, but balance that against the healthfulness of, you know, fitness and exercise and the diet we do. And maybe it washes out to be 
what a normal sit. But for me specifically, yeah, my D dimer being so elevated that could have killed me. I I was very close to dying from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of people, and, and thank goodness someone told me, they they die afterwards because the blood clots form and then they dislodge and later they have a heart attack or something. So people are dying three weeks after they've mm-hmm. recovered. This makes me really curious because uh, can you, for bodybuilders that do take stuff and they do have thicker blood because of the compounds that they take, a lot of individuals, um, yeah, they might do dieting and stuff, but a lot of them, like they don't do a lot of cardiovascular work. They just mm-hmm. train a lot. Mm-hmm. And this could be something that they need to pay attention to or do certain things to mitigate any type of damage that would happen if they ended up getting the flu. So yeah. what should they be doing or paying attention to? Because who was it that we had on that talked about fatty liver disease and bodybuilders who use shit? Vigorous Steve. Yeah, Vigorous Steve. He was talking about like how a lot of them have fatty liver disease and they don't even realize it until they do get some blood work mm-hmm. done. So what can they do to just make sure that they can mitigate anything that happens if they do end up getting the flu? So it's always been a big debate over whether you should take a baby aspirin every day or not. And I think most people feel like taking a baby aspirin every day is a good thing. And I think most doctors are on board with that as well. I think before, yeah, okay, either way, I think it's helpful, but now I think it's almost necessary. Like look into taking a baby aspirin every day because a baby aspirin. I'm like, there's just yeah. a an it's aspirin? 82 milligrams. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's usually 300 milligrams. Yeah. Oh. Right. But the baby one's a really small dosage. And I did really deep research on aspirin. Let's just pause for a second and talk about thickening of the blood. Maybe you can kind of fill people in a little bit more, but my understanding is that, uh, in, in some cases, just where red blood cells are elevated, uh, your blood is thicker, correct? Yeah, more red blood cells, and then in my case, more platelets also, mm. which is the most, which is more dangerous. And so you're trying to figure out a way for that blood to be uh, be able to flow a lot better and not get like stuck places, basically. Yeah. So when in your arteries and in your veins, uh, what's hap- what m- the most common cardiovascular disease is just plaque buildup mm. and the and the veins and arteries they get more rigid they can't flex mm-hmm. and if they're if they're flexible then you know things can get through easier and things aren't going to get blocked but if they become rigid and they become smaller and narrower then the smaller the clot it's going to take to block it and when you get that blocked your blood gets backed up and you don't get blood to a specific organ oh. like if you don't get blood to your brain you have a stroke you know or you have a you heart attack thick, your lungs thick blood going on along with drinking caffeine and pre-workout and clenbuterol and things that people utilize. So you got thick blood that's trying to circulate fast Mm -hmm. and your body's like, Hey man, I can only pump the sludge around so, so much. Right. And aspirin thins the blood sort of basically it it, it prevents clotting more than anything. Uh, But there's also blood thinners. I'm on blood thinners right now. I'm cycling between three different common blood thinners that, that people with heart disease oftentimes take. Uh, and I'll stay on those until my D-dimer score gets, until my, my blood work proves that the clots are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is going to be a huge concern for bodybuilders. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more heart attacks and blood clotting disorders now that the virus is here. And of course, bodybuilders having been using these compounds, making their blood thicker or making their arteries less flexible. And we're going to see a lot more heart disease. Did you get vaccinated? Uh so I, for me, the, the risks of it didn't outweigh the benefits, but um, I understand, I know you got vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I understand the argument for and against getting vaccinated. For me, I had the, this flu <laughs> in the beginning. 
I'm sure, because I was immune to it. I couldn't catch it even if I wanted to. I tried to catch it. My girlfriend had it. I couldn't get it from her. So I knew I had immunity to the first strain. But this new strain, the one that begins with a D, you know, mm-hmm. the same going around, and, and who, I don't know if it's that exact strain, but I look up the Do you guys know how many variants there are like that are being tracked right now? I've seen a list of like five, but I'm sure there's going to be unlimited eventually. There's like 13. Yeah, and it's gonna just gonna keep going. I mean, how many variants of the regular flu do we have? <laughs> Unlimited, right? Every year you have to get another flu yeah. shot because there's another variant. Bro, so I, I want to not s- gonna miss a night of sleep, <laughs> right? So I think your choice uh, to not get vaccinated. I think you know each person. I think it's it's good to allow people to have to have choices. Um, you know, the argument now is that you are currently uh, supposedly from some of the information that came out the last couple of days. Uh, safer than myself because I got vaccinated, but you have your natural immunity working against whatever's out there. Yeah. And as far as the vaccine, I'm, I'm not opposed to all vaccines. It's just that this vaccine is quite a new technology. And I'm sure there's going to be some vaccines coming out that use the older technology that, that I feel has been, uh, is safer just, just for me. Okay. This is funny because I'm an underground researcher and I'm injecting myself with, compounds all the time that people think are dangerous and i'm the first to use some of these things and yet i don't want to get this other thing well maybe part of that's the anarchist in me because the government's telling me to and i don't want to do the government says (laughs) it's like yeah dnp (laughs) helps you lose a pound a day that was cool but when this thing helps you lose a pound a day for too long it's not cool right (laughs) yeah and and hey catching the catching the flu anyways was a great way to lose weight and get shredded (laughs) and fix my cholesterol panel anyways forced fasting (laughs) so when when you had posted about like your experience with the flu, again, quote the flu, that was the first time that I had ever genuinely been like really concerned because I'm like, okay, here's somebody that I know lifts every day. You're jacked. You don't have, I mean, I know you have like um, some respiratory issues from when you were younger, but generally like if, you know, something were, if you were, if somebody were to get the flu and they look like you or they look like you know, I don't know your average. Or your girlfriend got very sick too. And she looks like she's going to live to be 150 years old. Yeah. Right. But that was, the, that was the first time where I was like, oh my God, like this is even real. Like I, that sounds dumb to say, cause obviously I know it's real, but like that was the first time I was ever actually concerned. So you're in the middle of Thailand. Like I got like super like anxious for you and you were like, no, Andrew, I'm going to be fine. And like, I was texting you and asking you like, does this mean I got to get the vaccine? Like, what do I do? Like, oh my God, I have like no options now. And you're like, what are you talking about? And so like, you really yeah. talked me off the edge. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But how have you been able to remain so calm? And also to add on to his question on how you're able to remain so calm, the bodybuilders that let's say they look really jacked and they have that healthy look, but they're on a cocktail of shit. <laughs> are they actually healthy? along with that so two questions okay that on that one i mean it's just like a car you could have the beautiful exterior of the car and the inside of the car could look really bad i mean the difference is we're biological so it's connected so usually you can kind of see you know it's kind of usually if you're destroying your body it's going to show on your skin and, Mm -hmm. and your hair and eyes and everything else but Uh, So, yeah, you have to that's why you have to get blood work and stuff, because a lot of these things you just don't know, like you can't feel pain in there's not nerves for pain in every organ in your body. You know, you don't just like feel a pain. I'll go to the doctor and you have to actually check. Just like I think it could be pretty simple, too. You can kind of boil it down. Like if you lift all the time and that's your strength and that's what you're good at, 
but you don't have the ability to have any cardiovascular, mm-hmm. you, you can't test that at all in anything, then that's bad. Like, I don't, I don't think that's very good. And I think that that's not a, that's not a great, that's not a great way. You live your life whatever way you want to live your life, but it's not a great way to live your life if you're trying to be healthy. If you want to live your life for a period of time that way, like I did, then, you know, hey, fucking go for it. But uh, I do think that people should just kind of consider that. Like, if you can't just, like, you know, test your uh, your lungs, your lung capacity a little bit here and there, uh, then I think that that's a good sign that you're probably not nearly as healthy as you might think. Yeah. So... <laughs> I, I was nervous to tell people how bad my my experience with the flu was. You know, just what is it? A month ago was uh, three weeks ago. Even I was in bad shape, and then now, so three weeks of recovery now, or two and a half weeks of recovery. Uh, I was afraid to tell people how bad it was because I didn't want people to overreact mm-hmm. and have more fear than they should. So I want to give people all of the information, which is that I think I could have prevented it with the right cocktail of of supplements and pharmaceuticals. I don't think it requires getting a prophylactic vaccine. I think in the future, I'll say what I would do if I could go back. I had my entire condos packed full of supplements. I collect, I'm like a supplement collector. It's, it's like my people, like some people want to look at money in the bank or cars in the garage. I want to have the biggest supplement collection. I told you, I was like, you need to make an ebook of like the supplements you use. And then you showed me like this video. You're like, I got some over here and then some over here and then some over here. He's like, I could never really put this in a book. I don't even know how to, I don't know where to start. You should see the look on girls faces when they come over and they see all this supplements. They are so confused. They never, it's like they're looking at an alien spaceship. Like what is going on here? Wow. Well, that's how many supplements I have. And in you know, a laboratory, too, where I, where I make stuff. So I, I didn't want to scare people about this mm-hmm. um, because I know that now, especially, I know that if I just added in a couple extra things, I would have been fine. But when the brain fog hit really early, like one of my first symptoms was brain fog and my brain was not functioning properly. Mm-hmm. I couldn't problem solve. I couldn't. Normally, the way my brain works is like you say, uh, OK, like Andrew was saying, he's got he wants to know what I do for anxiety earlier. So I made some notes for him here that I can talk about if you want. But um, normally he says that and my brain all instantly thinks, okay, we've got these six pathways. Here's what we can take for each pathway. Let's look at lifestyle, drink, diet, uh, and training and, and everything. Else. It all comes together in my brain. And my brain couldn't do that at all. Like I couldn't figure out like, what should I take? It was so foggy. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to treat myself and I don't want to go to the hospital cause it's a foreign country and they're locking people up in these warehouse prisons, mm-hmm. you know, for quarantine. I didn't want to end up in the warehouse prison. Uh, later I figure out more details about that, but, and it's not as bad as I thought, but if you have no money, it's bad. You're getting yeah. locked in a warehouse, warehouse prison. I, I'm not going yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in Thailand, they're used to sleeping on the floor. They're yeah. used to eating fish heads in, in broth and call, you know, calling that food, you know. I had so, fish head in broth. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you eat know, anything? Two weeks, two weeks of it every day, though, you know. I feel, I, feel, I feel it. And then you don't speak the – I don't even know what they speak in Thailand. Thai lang- the Thai language, yeah. Okay, so you don't speak that at all either, no. right? So, mm. fuck. That's what I mean. Like, how the – I was like, nervous, yeah. Well, my, my girl um, – but yeah, the girl that was with me and she also had it, you know, she also had really bad brain fog. So she wasn't that helpful to me. 
and her English language got worse. Like I just stopped talking to her because like we couldn't communicate between my brain fog and her practically forgetting English. Oh, wow. And so like that's when I was really nervous when I'm on the couch. And I'm like, God, if I told her, if I told her to call an ambulance or this or that, I don't even know if she'd be able to do it. Wow. You know, so that's when I was nervous being in a foreign country, not having uh, and I did have a lot of friends and I could have called a lot of people. Um, I, I also didn't want to make people worry too much. But it was so bad and I was so optimistic. I kept thinking, I'll get better tomorrow. I'll get better. And my lung capacity kept decreasing. Mm. And I would think of it like percentage. I'm like, okay, my lungs are at 80%. This is fine. I'll be back at 100% tomorrow and then 70, 60. And then when it gets down to 10 and I'm sucking little gasps of air like this <laughs> and trying to calm myself down to keep my heart rate down so that I consume less oxygen. And then, then it's just like, okay, I'm just going to stay here and sit all day and rest and sleep, conserve energy so I don't need so much oxygen and just it'll get better tomorrow. And it didn't get better. And so what I ended up taking, a couple different things, um, but yeah. the antibiotic is something I should have taken earlier because the, the virus causes inflammation. And then when you have inflammation, bacteria, it's easy for it to grow. And you can take all the antivirals and anti-inflammatories you want, but if the bacteria is still in your lungs, bacteria is going to keep growing. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to address each pathway. That way, that's the reason why the best treatment is to uh, take an antiviral, an anti-inflammatory, an anti-blood clot or blood thinner, and an antibiotic. And then just general immune health and vitamin D and zinc and all these things. But if you're addressing each pathway, nobody should die from this. You really. could potentially take that antibiotic now, you think, uh, for, for people that are trying to avoid it? No, 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 no. Antibiotics. You don't want to take them like – No. And that's why, take them during, huh? See, even me, I hesitated to take it until the last possible second, right. until it was absolutely life and death because uh, – you know, every time you take an antibiotic, you kill all your good bacteria in your gut. Right. And you do a lot of content about health and the gut and all. You know how important it is. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to start over to have to rebuild my gut bacteria again, you know, because in Thailand also, in Pattaya where I'm at, sex capital of the world, <laughs> you take uh, zithromycin, z -pack, you know, whenever you get mm. chlamydia or gonorrhea or a bacterial infection. So, you are already <laughs> taking this stuff periodically. Like, I don't want to have to take it again for for the flu. <laughs> you want to make it count? Yeah, I want to make it count. This is not how I want to use, use up a bullet. Save a bullet for something that I had a little Let's more pile fun. on a couple more of these STDs, and then I'll take it. Yeah. Hey. So, so take it early and take it if you need it, but definitely never as a prophylactic using an antibiotic. You know what I'm surprised about? And you probably know more, way more about this than I do, but I've been surprised about the amount of friends I know that have had C. diff. Because of um, they got sick with something and then the doctors prescribed them just a lot of antibiotics and then their gut just ended up getting just wrecked and then they didn't even realize that they had C. diff. I think that's what it is, right? What's C. diff? It's like um, when you take – Maybe SIBO? Maybe you're saying it wrong? I don't know. Maybe you're saying it right. I don't know. Just describe it. So, so when you take too many antibiotics, it like ruins your gut microbiome and oh. then it's like your your gut's wrecked, your digestion's wrecked, you have massive pain, like you poop blood. It's it's rough. Yeah. Um, but it comes with like an over um, uh, yeah, over, prescription. over prescription of antibiotics. Yeah. And I had a few friends that have had that recently and it wasn't um, – the C diff, I think it's C diff. If you I, think, no, I think C diff is just a, a panel that you can get done. Okay, I believe God, you might be what talking the fuck about is this called SIBO. SIBO. I think it is <laughs> called SIBO. SIBO. So okay, it could be. Oh, yeah, it's probably SIBO. Hope I'm just people are listening. But, we're driving them crazy. Yeah, right <laughs> look up over prescription of antibiotics. Okay, but it's like when you have like 
when you take too many, it's like your yeah. gut just gets wrecked. And like they were wrecked for weeks because yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. they had, they just took too many antibiotics. So it sucks. So my mom had that and she got really ill yeah. and, and finally figured out that she needed probiotics and she mm-hmm. took a bunch of probiotics and that's what ended up recovering her. But like she went back to the hospital and she's having all this problem and they give her another antibiotic. Yeah, that's that what happened problem. to her. That's what happened to a friend of mine. They <laughs> when, gave her more she antibiotics. She needed the opposite. Oh. She needed more good bacteria, not yeah. to kill all the bacteria. Yeah. Uh, so in, in uh, yeah, in, actually in Thailand, things are not as clean as here. You mm-hmm. know, I figure I get a lot more bacteria from my environment. So I, I replenish right. the bacteria a lot faster. I was also, you know, people always ask, I, I, I talk a lot, a lot about sort of sex relationships type stuff and the chemistry around it and all that. People always ask me if I like to eat girls' butts, you know, and I don't really, that's really not my thing. But then they're, I think they're thing? joking. They're like, you think there's any health benefits for it, right? And I'm like, <laughs> good bacteria. Actually, good, good bacteria. bacteria. Yeah. I mean, they're doing fecal transplants. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a way easier way to do it than a fecal transplant. <laughs> so, yeah, it has health benefits. <laughs> health benefits, sure. But with the gut bacteria, yeah, you, once you kill the bacteria, they say it takes about six months to get your bacteria really back to normal. So she's working out in that? Yeah, she's like that's actually her workout of it. That is the that is the most famous porn star in Thailand right there. Really? Yeah. She is Wow. Wow, she is sexy. I mean like you know you see a girl and you just she's radiating sex. Like you just look at her and all you can think about is sex. That's her. The pictures don't do it justice. Stop. Yeah. Really amazing. Oh, Sorry, I didn't mean, to, I didn't mean to sidetrack you guys, my bad. This is so funny. Oh my god. Oh gosh. This is great. Yeah. Oh, those are my main girlfriends. Yeah, that's uh, cat, crazy cat lady on the left and uh, werewolf on the right. All right, Tony, mm-hmm. can you talk to us a little bit about how this works over there? Because you like you would like you just talk about all these different girlfriends and it's just like explain some of this. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. That's a great. You know, I'm curious what these girls think about this, too. Like, yeah. Like. Uh, because I, I and I interview them. I talk to these girls on camera on my YouTube channel. Relationship starts tomorrow. Also, and just candid conversations, just really blunt conversations. And I and I ask them like, what what do you think I think about this situation? You know, the fact that you girls are here. And I mean, I got two girlfriends living with me, and then I also have them leave and have other girls come over, or I go visit other girls. I mean, every every day I'm with, you know, a minimum of two girls and usually three. Per day. That sounds yeah. like so much energy. And you think, and, and what blows my mind is I grew up in America here in Sacramento in Folsom, and I always had really jealous girlfriends, very controlling girlfriends. And I had really bad relationships, traumatic relationships. Mm. So for me to go from that to this other extreme, I just can't even believe it's real. Mm. And, and, and it's almost like I'm pushing it a little further than I need to because I can. It's like I've been starving <laughs> my whole life and now I'm at a buffet. <laughs> And now I'm just, yeah, I'm just stuffing myself. A lot of times, a lot stuffing of times. Stuffing yourself full. Yeah. Stuffing, stuffing, stuffing myself and stuffing them. <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes it's just like, you know what, I'm here. And, and then when I know I'm going to come back to the U.S., it's like, okay, well, I better rampage before I go because it's going to be quite a dry spell coming up here, you know. And, but the girls are okay. Everyone's so judgy here in the United yeah, States. Yeah. But my but I started this lifestyle before I went to Thailand. It's just a lot mm-hmm. easier in Thailand mm-hmm. and and cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I don't I don't I'm not afraid to admit that I support 
these women. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm okay with that. If either I'm supporting them emotionally. Us as men, we're either we're supporting women either emotionally or financially or whatever. That's and that's fine with me. Actually, the girl the girl on the left in that picture was um, she works a normal retail job and she has her own money. But the girl on the right quit her job when she figured out she could get supported by me. Um, I know you you know you uh, moved uh, maybe two years ago or so. Yeah, maybe a little over a year and a half. Um, and I know that you did the whole, like, you did, like, corporate America stuff, like you were a lawyer, like, you you did a bunch of different things. Um, are you happy? I'm really happy now, yeah. So when I was a lawyer, I was, it was awesome. I mean, it's it's a good, like, status thing. It's an intellectual thing. It's a good business and finance thing. It gets me into these, these communities and um, respect from the community and a challenging mental uh, work. But uh, you have to, it, it, it's not freedom. It's not really deeply what I, what I want to do with my lifestyle, because especially when you're in a professional role like that, you've got to be professional. Mm. Like I can't be running around doing crazy polygamous type stuff so much as a lawyer. And then my clients are going to see that. And so I had to, I had to have sort of a facade. In the United States, a lot of shame over like sexual stuff. Like people don't, they don't talk about it. Yeah. If they do, it's embarrassing. Nowadays, you know, you can get all kinds of, you can get in some hot water, you know, talking yeah. about certain subjects. And, yeah. Um, and there's the, and the feminism yeah. type thing, mm-hmm. you know, these women, it's like uh, for a man to have multiple women is like highly offensive to some women also. And uh, they, they, in America, the, you know, the is women, that a feminist thing though? I, um, I think if everyone's in agreement, it's probably different, right? If you're trying to do it behind someone's back. Well, I think, I think it's, it's the opposite. So I think the way you ask the question means you might be on the same page, which is that, you know, uh, feminism would actually be the women having more choice to do what they want with less judgment. Yeah. And a lot of women do want alternate style relationships. Mm-hmm. And for them to be able to have that or or express their sexuality more like the girls in Thailand do. Uh, that is an expression of their femininity and their power over their own body and their ability to, you know, transcend the cultural barriers that were preventing them from expressing their sexuality before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how I feel about it. And that's what, you know, my audience, oh, some of my audience thinks my lifestyle is amazing. And some of my audience loves the chemistry stuff, but they hate the stuff with the girls. They think it's terrible. They think it's like sex trafficking. They think it's like just paying for women, which is like a, like a, I don't know what, when you like thinking about paying for what to me, it's hard for me to even see the mindset anymore right? Mm. of the other side, but they think paying for women is like really, really bad. But I, I don't, I'm not always, I'm not always paying for women. It's just, I have nothing against it. To me, it makes no difference one way or the other when it only costs, you know, a little bit of money. It's a very, Oh, I was going to I was going to say, do you, uh, because it's all still, I mean, this lifestyle with where you're living is still newish, I guess. Do you still sometimes get like your feelings hurt and stuff? Like, cause they are relationships, right? Like you have, uh, but maybe it's for different stuff or, or is that like just not. So I all, when I, when I started these type of relationships that I have a long time ago, when I, when I first went to Thailand was, when I was 30, which mm-hmm. was nine years ago or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly something like that. Um, and so then I saw this completely different perspective on relationships and, and I thought, you know what? I, the key for me is to to get rid of the jealousy, but it's, it's a, it's a basic instinct. I mean, it's a part of our reptilian brain. So you have to just like anything, you have to really work hard 
to be better than your reptilian brains the way I think about it. So yeah, I still feel jealousy and I'm sure that I'm sure girls feel jealousy too. But when I ask them, actually, I, I say like, do you feel jealous? And then, and then they say, well, yeah, but at the same time, the feeling of jealousy is not providing me any benefit. Mm. Like the girls are actually logical like that. It's kind of a Buddhist thing. It's really smart and deep <laughs> yeah. way yeah. of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I practice that myself and especially like, um, even when me and and my friend spend time with my my girlfriend that like I was really with this one girl and she she was providing me all the best experiences and bringing girls over and and I was like I got to do something amazing for her what do you want to do and she said I want to you know I would love to sleep with your friend because I my friend Ken is just a really amazingly look good looking guy right I'm like okay so I bring him over and all together and I'm thinking like okay am I jealous and and it, and if so how do I how do I block that and turn and yeah I, I was feeling jealous you gotta be like Ken don't fuck her too good all right bro like, just fucking <laughs> ease up you know I did say one soft boundary strokes. I soft said, strokes I said just don't finish inside that's the only thing just so that's that's like the only nothing else was off limits like everything else was we would a lot of stuff but that was the one thing because i didn't want her to get pregnant and then not know whose it was (laughs) yeah that's really so that was actually a logical thing it wasn't even an emotional thing yeah um so i i think i've overcome the jealousy and every day i have to work at it Mm -hmm. but that's it's almost like when i when i should feel jealousy but then i overcome it I, I I feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about like eating like with somebody or uh, going to a movie with somebody or like is are those part or, or is it like uh, you only you're only this man left. You're only <laughs> you're this only, man's like huh. you're only together when you're quote unquote hanging out. <laughs> I mean, you know, the funny thing is, I'm the one who wants to date. I, I I miss American dating. Like, hey, let's go see a movie and all that. And the Basically, the girl's response is, they won't say it exactly, this will paraphrase it to save time, is why would we go see a movie when we can just have sex? <laughs> like, what's, like, isn't it better? Isn't it better if we have sex? Why would we go see a movie? You're all emotional. You're like, I just want to snuggle. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want a little bit of, I'm the one who wants a little bit Can't of foreplay. Can't we spoon every once in a while? Yeah. yeah. Foreplay, romance, you know. So snuggle oh, up yeah. on the couch. Is this Ken's a really Ken. good looking guy. Yeah. Oh my God. This oh, guy dude, is a, this guy's a magnet. This guy's beautiful. Look so he's a beautiful man. But in, in, in America, what a smile in America. Yeah. Sure. He'd be good looking, but there he's a God. <laughs> I mean, he's Brad Pitt, you know, to what, what Brad Pitt would be to American women here, I guess. Oh man. Um, why not? When I walk down the street by myself, all the girls are looking at me and you can literally any girl you want. Boom. You can have right. When I walk with Ken, they ignore me completely <laughs> and they're all on Ken. I've had a, I, I remember yeah, I, this one time, this 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 girl, this girl's riding by in her scooter right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, but <laughs> you know, he he didn't look like that. He didn't always look like that. Talk about a transformation. Oh, where this guy was like a like a you helped a him out, and then he took all your girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. He's I basically get the scraps. What now. was your story? You're on a scooter or something? You said. Oh, uh, this, I just, the most extreme example is this girl's on a scooter. She drives by, she almost gets in an accident staring at him oh, and shit. she pulls over and she's like trying to get with him and ignoring me completely. Like if I even say anything, she's not even acknowledging my existence. Wow. Yeah. I was just kind of how I feel in America. So, <laughs> so I'm in Thailand and I'm used to every girl wanting me and then it can have any girl type thing. And then you come here and I'm walking through the store and I'm like, Wow. 
no girls are even looking at me. Like there's no, and I'm thinking like, can I even visualize just going up to a girl and taking her home right now? Just tap a girl on the shoulder randomly say, oh. am, I, am I ugly? No. But I don't think it, it's be like, different yep. in America. It's not like no matter how good you look, that doesn't mean that you can just have anything you want in America, you know? And there it's, there it's just more primal. And I'm talking about Pattaya. You know, every city is different, mm-hmm. but it's more primal. Like and again, you, Pattaya is the sex capital of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's not just it's not just horny foreigners that go there. Girls from all over Thailand, if they're nymphomaniacs or they just like a lot of sex, that's where they go because then they can get satisfied. Mm. And why why does mm. it seem like it's just more accepted there though? Like I'm pretty sure girls are kind of like that everywhere, but it's not going to happen here in America, right? Like Wait, what? No, I'm saying like pe- Guys and girls have desires, but, yes, but we can't be very vocal about them here. Ah, but okay. in Thailand, literally, they, there's a central hub if you want to, you know, have fun. I'll just say that. Yeah, and it's, again, different city by city. But the overall sort of Buddhist culture is very accepting. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, the high society is very critical of each other and it's more American style. But the common people are just accepting, you know, like the ladyboy and transgender thing. It's never, never even an issue. Like nobody... They're just like everybody else. There's no reaction to that. It's it's whatever anybody wants to do. People aren't really nosy. People aren't really trying to impose their beliefs on other people. Mm. They're just very accepting of every religion, every race, every uh, lifestyle. And then you have, of course, Pattaya or any of these towns where basically places, the types of places where like the U.S. military goes, you know, where they want to party. You know, they develop this market, the supply and demand. So the demand for this when, you know, foreigners go to certain places or American military men especially go to certain places, there's the demand and then the supply follows. You know, then people, girls realize, wow, this is, there's rich guys, well, because to them we are, rich guys and with a lot of money here that are willing to spend it on me. And, uh, yeah. And it's not it's not just like it's so different. It's not like prostitution like like here. It sounds like, like sugar baby on crack. Yeah, it's like sugar baby style style stuff. Yeah, yeah it's just they want to be of course they need money for food and stuff, but they yeah. but they doing what they love. In yeah. in Pattaya, I feel like everybody's doing what they love mm. and everybody's happy. So for those who don't know what like sugar babies are, um Sugar babies are like people here in the United States. It's actually becoming more and more popular. There's actually a, a website for this. Um, but, you know, women will go on there and there will be men that have a lot of money. And sometimes they'll just go on dates and maybe get free meals. Some of these men pay women's tuitions. And sometimes it ends up being a sexual, just like transactional type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And that is called sugar babies. They're also, um, I, I don't know the term for men who do sugar baby stuff, but I think it's, oh, they're also sugar babies, but guys. Um, so, People do that. I have guy friends that do. Actually, uh, well, I, won't say, I have guy friends that uh, are sugar babies. Yeah, 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 yeah. To wealthy Thai women. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's transactional. Amazing. And then, so out of nowhere in Thailand, I don't know anything about the whole country or anything, but you have found a whole group of people that lift they're super jacked and they all speak english and so i'm like really confused when i see your videos i'm like wait did he like move everybody with him or like how did that come to be yeah it's starting to become a real fitness community mm-hmm. over there and then and oh, wow and and so bangkok is is there's a fitness community but in pattaya now we have a really fun one everybody loves the same lifestyle of now things are locked down now but generally it's like gym sauna sushi buffet 
girls, you know, uh, some psychedelic supplements, you know, and everybody's in the same rhythm and everybody's dynamic. And uh, they're, mo- I mean, like you have Joe Aesthetics, for example, he's part yeah. of this group. Yeah. And and Sebastian, our other German friend, very similar to, to Joe's style. And it's these guys are just po- so much positive energy, hard workers. Mm-hmm. Also hardworking, you know, they're influencers and they're coaches and all these type of things. A lot of, a lot of uh, fitness coaches that can work online, they go there. Yeah. And, and, and uh, OnlyFans models, you know, a lot of the guys do OnlyFans. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What about raising a kid? You have a baby now, right? So yeah. uh, what kind of, um, how does that maybe disrupt things or how does that change things for you? Well, I, both of my daughters are in the Philippines right now. One's an American citizen, but the mom is Filipino, and and so during this, while this whole drama was happening in the U.S., it was better for her to be in the Philippines. Although Philippines is really locked down now, mm-hmm. and she is having a hard time getting out. She she actually tested positive for the flu, and they locked her up for two weeks, and she just got out. So now she's going to fly back here. So I'll be with baby mama number one and baby Callie, six years old, my daughter, uh, in about eight days. And, and I'll bring her, I'll actually in eight or nine days, I'll bring, I'll bring her over here also. And then my other daughter's two years old and she's going to stay in the Philippines and Filipinos, unfortunately, it's hard for them to travel and get visas. Mm. And a lot of, there's certain nationalities that they just, a lot of countries just don't let them, don't let them in. So in order to see her, I neither need her to come to Thailand, which is also kind of locked down now, or I need to go to Philippines. But if you can't go to Philippines, if you're a foreigner right now, it's locked down you have to be a Philippine citizen to go into Philippines right wow. now. So I, I haven't been able to see either of my daughters for almost a year and a half, mm. but I video call them all the time. Right. We're constantly on, on video calls. So they're, they don't forget who I am. And the moms showed my pictures to them. So when they see me, it's going to be just like they saw me yesterday. It's not like we've been, but yeah, I'm missing out on a lot of raising them. And obviously, you know, you're a parent too. Do these, away from it. Do these women hard. in Thailand eventually maybe like, I don't know, uh, want to do something different and then they maybe uh, trap uh, mm. individuals by getting pregnant okay. sort of <laughs> in, in Philippines 1000% oh totally in Thailand are you trying to sub- <laughs> okay I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna let- <laughs> in Thailand and in America in America actually that was my experience right yeah. uh, but when I was I don't know so much now, but when I was a lawyer and, you know, that was the type of guy that girls wanted to try to trap. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they, I don't know if they want me anymore in America. The girls <laughs> in America want me anymore after all the Tony Huge stuff in Thailand and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was the question again? Oh, uh, just like if they, I don't know, get tired of like what they're doing and, and just being with many different people, if they want oh, to eventually like and trapping a man one day, just not even so much trap, but just settle uh, down with a person, I guess. In Thailand, it's very different in Thailand. The girls don't want to get pregnant usually. Really? Yeah. And they love their, especially in Pattaya, they mm-hmm. really want their freedom mm-hmm. and they all have this like, um, I was surprised cause I interview a girl on my channel about this and I'm like, you know, do you want to have children? All this, she's like, I don't want to have children until I'm in the perfect relationship and my life is all put together and it's going to be very strategized. And this is like a young girl who's a party girl and all this stuff. So even these party girls who you think don't plan anything, when it comes to children, they actually do plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. So no, I, I don't feel like they're trying to trap uh, at, at all. Um, but do they want to settle down? Kind of. 
I mean, girls, a lot of these other type of girls down there also do like their freedom. And I interviewed another girl about this and I was like, God, you're, you're a great girl. Like I would love to make you one of my girlfriends, you know? And, and she said, no, I like my freedom. I like to be able to sleep with whoever I want, whenever I want. I like to be able to party with my friends. I like, like to be able damn to travel. It, her stock just went up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you want her even more, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm surprised. No, they, they, uh, I mean, they, every girl wants the perfect relationship, mm-hmm. you know, but, but they're not, they're, they're not, a, they're okay. That's hard to get. And you, you know, you putting your expectations high oh, and part yeah. of the Buddhism philosophy is sort of keep your expectations low. Or having really no expectations at all. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean not have goals and not yeah. do amazing things. Mm-hmm. That just means it's much easier to be happier if you're always exceeding your expectations. Like expectations is not a good word. Goals is a good word. Yeah. So they have goals, but they don't have expectations. How's that? Mm-hmm. What's it like being a lot lighter? Is it, Are you like upset about it, depressed, or are you happy with it? Like Probably move better. You, you lost, what, four, was it 40 pounds? Yeah, yeah, it, it ended up being about 40. I keep saying 33, 35, but in the end, I guess at, at certain times it's been at least You're 40 under pounds. 200 pounds, and you've yeah. been oh, really? pretty damn jacked for a long time. That kind of becomes part of like what you think is your identity, right? Mm-hmm. And people, uh, uh, you know, people go to your page and they're inspired by... Uh, your muscle mass and what you've been able to build and stuff like that. And they're so how does it feel now to have lost that weight? Do you feel like bad about it or what's, what's going on in your head? Well, when I first started this fitness and on my Instagram page, you can see like I'm really shredded. So yeah, I lost a lot of muscle, but I also lost a lot of fat. And now I used to be more of a shredded guy and my body structure and my metabolism is more conducive to being shredded. Mm -hmm. So for me being big is, is uncomfortable and it's difficult and it's hard to maintain. Um, I liked being big. I'm glad I did it and I'll probably do it again. But I think now my default mode is going to be more on the shredded side. And one of the reasons I liked being uh, big or I was big is because I love eating, Mm. but to the point where it's almost an eating disorder. Mm. And after two weeks of fasting, I really broke my carbohydrate addiction. My body became keto adapted again. My insulin sensitivity is amazing. My waist got small. See, I'm pulling the vacuum. Like I haven't been able to pull a vacuum like that since before I started gear more than nine years ago. Mm-hmm. My waist was tiny. Can you say that again? What you said about you, how you broke your carb addiction. Yeah. So, f- so f- normally that was awesome. Normally I would be binge eating chocolate every night and I'd be just eating all the time and, and and uh, it's like a physical addiction and a psychological addiction. And you weren't a fan of I, fasting, I don't believe. Before, no, right? It was, you know, it's the it's the type of thing where I and I have a fast metabolism. If I don't eat, it's like, oh my god, my stomach! I need to eat. My stomach's eating itself. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm losing muscle. I'm going catabolic. I need to eat every so often, you know. And so after fasting, it's like, wow, this is okay. Actually, I feel good. And and. Yeah, okay, I didn't feel good at the time, but afterwards, because I was sick at the time, but afterwards, yeah, yeah, being lighter and then being in a ketogenic state, and even though I had the brain fog, like this energy was coming back to my brain that I forgot what that feels like when you're in keto for a while. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now I'm eating, now I'm gaining weight and I'm eating more food, and even that just slight amount, I'm starting to feel the energy level decrease again. So like, oh, okay, I need to incorporate fasting uh, maybe even just one day per week. Yeah. 
a detox. I mean, I know there's more benefits if you go 48 hours or 72 mm-hmm. hours, but even just one day a week, a nice reset, especially to keep the waist small mm-hmm. because my waist kept getting bigger because my digestive system never got a break. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like it was very self-aware when you'd mentioned like you were, you had an addiction to eating so much. It was almost at the level of an eating disorder. What do you mean? Like by that, do you, would you just, do you mean that you were just eating so much and you would just engorge yourself? Even when you knew you were full, you would keep eating. And that was a consistent thing. What do you mean? Yeah. And this is, this is my mom's fault. You know, I'm full and she wants me to still finish the broccoli on my plate type thing. <laughs> yeah. Like there's that in the back of my head. Like I have to finish my food. And in America, the portion sizes are so huge. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You should, you should almost never go out to a restaurant and eat the whole meal. You should eat half the meal and then bring the other half home, really. Yeah. All right. Uh, unless you're intermittent fasting, maybe, right? And you need all the calories within a short period of time. Yeah. So, And then the problem is with your blood sugar, if your body gets used to running on sugar and then you don't have sugar, it's like you constantly need to be putting in sugar or you crash. So mm. that's why it's just like a drug. Sugar is just like a drug in so many ways. Yeah, so I I I, uh, I would at nighttime especially. This is why I know it's an addiction because, like the ple- like you're chasing the pleasure of it, the pleasure of eating, but like you eat a cookie, you say you tell yourself you're going to eat one cookie, and that's your treat, and that's going to bring you pleasure. But it doesn't really bring you pleasure. It just makes you want another cookie, and then another cookie, and you don't, you never really scratch that itch, and that's what would happen to me every night. And now I don't have those cravings the same. I still need to eat carbs at night because for some reason I think I think it increases serotonin and helps me sleep. Yeah. But it's not like an addiction before and I don't – and chocolate was my weakness. I would eat a lot of chocolate every night. And now like chocolate isn't that appealing. Hot chocolate and stuff like that is. But like chewing the chocolate, it's like the sugar almost tastes toxic on my tongue you know the experience mm-hmm. like you don't realize how sweet and how it's much sugar too sweet after you, you don't have it for a while yes so that's where i'm at still right now and it's wonderful because now i can diet now i can intermittent fast without the addiction like diet and fitness becomes so much easier yeah. yeah sometimes i think people are trying to fill in some holes that they have in their life and they're trying to uh seek pleasure you know in in places that you're never going to really get fulfilled from mm. you think that they're going to you think it's going to be fulfilling it seems like a great idea to go into the uh, cupboard and smash uh, whatever cereals in there or whatever. But in the end, it almost always makes you feel worse, especially if you had goals to be in better shape. And you're like, why did I do that? I shouldn't do that. And you're beating yourself up over it. So you've done the keto carnivore for so long now. So you, you don't have any sugar addiction and you must be very sensitive to sweet now, right? Um, every day is still hard for me from a food perspective in, in some degree, um, it, a little, a little extra challenging here and there just because, um, you know, this sweet tooth of mine was developed at a very, very young age. So I have to like, I have to fight my food a little bit almost every day, but the choice to not eat, like to not, to just not have a decision to make at all and just say, I'm not eating for this amount of time. That has been the single most helpful thing to me personally, because if I'm left to make decisions, then I'm going to probably make the wrong ones or even just sometimes when I go to eat, uh, it's like an amplifier and I'm like, okay, now it's time to eat and I want to keep eating and keep eating. Um, I also, I have, I've also noticed through fasting, uh, some interesting cues. If I, if I fill myself up with food, that's great. I get, get myself to a point where I'm no longer hungry. That's a good spot to be in almost to a point where, yeah, it'd be uncomfortable if I tried to like go on a run or something, you know, (laughs) after I eat. 
But if I really, truly stuff myself, which I actually really love to do, that's a cue for me to continue to eat even more. And that's when my mind starts to go haywire. Mm. And that's when I find myself um, making bad decisions with my food. Mm. So I have to be, you know, I'm, I got to treat myself, uh, I got to treat myself like a gremlin every single day. I need lots of fucking (laughs) rules. (laughs) Otherwise, bad shit's going to happen. That rule about, uh, that you talked on your last podcast about. Um, not eating out, only eating at home. I think yeah. the guy, the yeah. guy on your podcast said, "Oh, that's a good one," mm-hmm. because that's when you get in trouble is when you eat out. You cannot control, and you eat too much, and the portions are too big, and the food is addicting. And uh, once so you start, flavors. you can't stop. Yeah, you know, just setting that rule. And wow, you save a lot of money. Oh my gosh, I went to sushi mm. uh, the other night here when I first got here, and it was fifty dollars. Okay, maybe it doesn't sound like a lot to you guys, but for me, fifty dollars for dinner. I mean, I in Thailand, it's probably I would cheap. go to the sushi cart and I'd spend like three dollars. Yeah, fifty mm-hmm. bucks on your own is a lot. Yeah, well, it's, it's two people yeah, yeah. still, but but yeah, I mean, compare like fifty dollars to would have been for something that was equally satisfying. Let's say seven dollars mm-hmm. for the same thing in Thailand. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I have a second wave, but I want to kind of also, <laughs> yeah, I'm sweating over here. Um, dude, you're totally right about the palate change. Cause like when, when, when I started doing fasting too, I noticed that when I didn't have that for a while, when I came back to having a lot of those foods, not like I don't eat Ben and Jerry's every now and then, but it's just literally too sweet. Like, it's just like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, makes a very big difference. Okay. Yeah. I'll see you guys in a few. All right. Have fun. Poor guy's got to poop again. Poop, second wave. <laughs> oh, and then somebody commented. They're like, "Dude, you guys totally the missed it." Turd. The third turd. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, like mm. makes sense. We're just talking. Anyways, we're children. Sorry. Yeah. But um, so now that you've implemented fasting, seems like you, you're making some changes. You had said it's almost like you're. It's been a, like a different chapter after feeling like you were going to die after getting the flu. Um, so like, what's that been like? Like, what's it like being, I think you said like Tony huge 2.0 now. I think I'm, I feel happy all the time. I you know, you can't necessarily see whether someone's happy or from the outside or stressed and all that, but I can tell you like inside internally, I feel so peaceful and so happy now and so much gratitude, uh, appreciate it for being alive and all that stuff. But I think mainly it was sort of like a psychedelic experience, sort of like when you do a mushrooms type thing, which is like a reset. And I think uh, I lowered my expectations of myself so much during this process because I thought, oh, wow, I'm, I, I could die or have permanent damage from this. And when I came out of it, I was like, okay, now nobody – now, now, like even my staff and people I work with, like their expectations of me also dropped. And I felt this relief of pressure on myself. And like I have a lot of post past trauma from uh, being a lawyer and, and all these other businesses that I had and just a lot of work. I just take a lot on my plate, which results in more trauma and stress and things that happen. And that kind of all floated away for the first time, other than when I do mushrooms. It was very similar sort of a mushroom reset, I would say. So if, if someone didn't, if you want to have a, a nice reset from, from trauma, you know, uh, near death experiences or mushroom resets are a couple of different ways to uh, approach it. So yeah, now I feel just gratitude for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, my, I was really feeling negative about America a lot, you know, it was really good to escape. But afterwards I just started feeling gratitude for all and looking forward to all the things in America more like a lot less negativity. I mean, I still care a lot about America and I'm 
politically outspoken about freedom and all this kind of stuff, and I still fight for freedom, but I, but also just able to accept things the way they are and appreciate what you know what I should be grateful for at the same time. Yeah, you seem so. to be pretty calm. You seem to be pretty positive. Do you uh, do you get mad even? Ah, uh, this is funny. You know. Actually, this is a big compliment from Joe Aesthetics, actually. He said, you know, the, what he said, what I want to learn from you, he loves learning the chemistry and stuff from me, but what I want to learn most is how do you stay so calm? And I, and I said, so what, what example, like, what makes you think about that? Like, why do you think, like, I mean, you haven't seen me in real pressure. I mean, the truth is like serious, extreme pressure, like my businesses get raided by the police and, mm. you know, everything gets taken and I lose millions of dollars in one day. You know, that's some serious stress. A lot of things have been through push people to suicide and stuff like that. But I still remain very calm and uh, was able to think clearly and problem solve. Uh, And I think that's part of it's an accumulation of just dealing with those situations so many times, especially as a lawyer. You know, imagine I have thousands of clients that I've uh, worked for and I take on their problems. So, like, I've had my problems in my life, plus all my clients' problems for all those years, that, and I internalize their problems. And so it's just like problems just don't seem like problems. They just seem like puzzles to solve, I guess. And I think of everything like a game. That's what it is. Anytime something bad happens or a challenge happens, I have sort of two perspectives. One, it's a game. I just got to solve the problem, and then it'll be wonderful when I do. And the other one is, um, well, actually, I think of all of life as a game. Sort of like uh, imagine sometimes this is how I think about it. Like we're aliens that are in a virtual reality simulation that we paid a lot of money to have this a human experience and we're all going to die and go back, you know, and then that, the, the game's over. But it's just a game. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't take it. Not mm-hmm. don't take it serious. I want to win the game. I want to say, yeah, Tony, what do you think game? about this part when we inserted those police officers and they raided your business? <laughs> oh, what do you think? What do you think of that part? And you'd be like, oh, you guys got me on that one. <laughs> I was really stressed on that one. That's when the simulation got too serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so Joe used the example of when another friend, Conrad, fat guys who lift was, uh, uh fat guys who lift. That was his name. He was an influencer, <laughs> but he closed everything down. He'll restart it again in the future. I think but, he lifted here. Yes, exactly. Yeah, good personality. He'll come down and visit, too, when I come back. Uh, He spilled hot oil on me at a barbecue buffet. And it it actually, I still have scars on me from it. On purpose? Blisters and everything. No, he put the the butter in, and then he put the meat on, and he kind of threw it on, and it splashed the oil on me. So it burned holes in my clothing, and I had scars and all this stuff. But I stayed completely calm. I had no emotional reaction whatsoever. And Joe was like, he was, I remember him looking at me at the time, everybody at the table looking at me like, how can you not be mad or overreact or go to the bathroom or take a moment? Just totally cool. Right. Cause I, yeah, I just didn't, it was, it's a stoic, like I don't see the benefit of getting upset basically. So why get upset? It's not emotional helpful. control. I think you've talked about this before, but like, I think you, uh, and we mentioned it on a couple of podcasts, but I just, I do find it fascinating that you learned a lot of this stuff. I think from uh, drives with your dad, right? And you guys, he was play like self help yeah, stuff, yeah. which a lot of people think a lot of times is silly. But these, there a lot of uh, stuff from Tony Robbins and a lot of these people. A lot, there's yeah. a lot of merit to some of the things they say. Yeah, and I think what happens is if you listen to it at a young age, it come, becomes sort of built into your personality. But if you listen to it later, uh, you 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 have to actually practice it you have to rem- you have to refresh your memory on it so yes I, I think all of these type of self help t- 
tapes and stuff make a huge difference. But I think when you're older, you can't just listen to it and let it sit in the back of your head. You actually have to practice these things. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's kind of in me, it's kind of built in. And the other, the other thing is the Buddhist philosophy, right? Worry about things you can change and don't put stress on the things you can't change. So those are the different perspectives I come at things from and yeah, why don't, I don't get rattled. Don't worry about either one of them, right? <laughs> don't worry about anything. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the things that you can't control, there's, there's doesn't appear there's really anything you can do yeah. other than not overreact would be helpful so yeah. that you're not stressed. Yeah. And the things that you can control, you'll... Do the best you can with them. You'll get to them when you can get to them. You'll uh, try to problem solve, like you said, find the pieces of the puzzle, and uh, maybe you're not going to find them right away. So these are all psychological tools and perspectives, but there's also the chemistry side. Like you could have your brain chemistry be off, and you could be worrying and upset and anxious and stressed all the time for no reason. It doesn't even matter what's going on in your environment. It could be something very small. And there's a lot of people in that situation, too, that need to fix their brain chemistry. They're stuck. Or yeah. even hormones and stuff like that yeah, too, right? Yeah, hormones, exactly. Like, like low testosterone. Look at how many people are depressed from low testosterone and, and their main doctors still aren't treating them properly with the testosterone. Instead, they're giving them you know, drugs that are addicting and they have build a tolerance mm-hmm. to. And, mm-hmm. you know. and if there's anything we've learned that's like testosterone help with effort and putting things into action. Because what you were mentioning about the self-help thing, a lot of people will read a lot of these books and there's a lot of amazing things, a lot of amazing practices in a majority of these books. But the big thing is like a lot of people then just don't take action on it. So they get caught in the self-help cycle where they have a big library of self-help books, but they've never taken action on a single thing that's come from it. Yeah. So this is a good example of uh, take a modafinil or an Adderall or something like this that gives you not just the, the focus and increase mental abilities, but also the motivation. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like you're moving forward fast and you're doing so much stuff. I think my mom said this, a rolling stone doesn't grow moss or something. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a common saying. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you're saying it right. Yeah, you're, you're uh, staying in motion. You're being proactive. Yeah. Mm. If you're staying in motion, like, like you don't get uh, bottlenecked and stifled, you just keep moving forward. And then you're not so worried about all the little stuff that's behind you. Yeah. Like by the time something hits you, you know, you're already going to be moving past that onto the next thing. So you're always moving forward faster than the bad stuff can catch up to you. Mm. But if you're just stagnant, f- either physically or, or, or mentally, or, or you get depressed or something like a you know, when you feel depressed and it just feels like the wor- weight of the world just keeps stacking and another bad thing happens and another bad things happens. Mm-hmm. And the way to get out of it, you got to, if you're looking at a visual, you got to break through it and then keep that momentum and inertia. And then all that bad stuff all of a sudden seems behind you. Like you're an airplane that took off and every, the land is getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. That's the, I, I think of it, I actually think of it like this when I, if I do even feel a little bit of like, I use tools like this. So the jealousy thing, mm-hmm. if I feel jealousy, I use tools off the top of my head. I can't think of what they are and take too long anyways. But if, if I also feel like depression or anxiety or um, things are just going badly, then I have these tools that I just explained also to help break through it. In addition to the chemistry, of course, which I'm more known for. Yeah, when you're in the right frame of mind and uh, a lot of things seem to uh, be stacking up against you or these things are – there's like big shit going on in your life that maybe you're interpreting as negative. When you're in a good mindset, all you do is like, Boom, clap your hands together, rub them together and be like, time to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not in a positive frame of mind or you've uh, you're already um, 
your health is somehow compromised, either physically, like what, what happened to you, uh, or even just emotionally or mentally, you're already kind of chipped away at. You know, you think about your desire to um, your desire to go train at the end of the day when you already lifted really hard. Like let's let's just use like a deadlift or something. Let's say you had a really good deadlift session. During the deadlift session, felt great. You might have been excited coming into the gym. For some people, they're excited all week. They're like, that's my deadlift day. That's going to be sick. Mm. You go in and deadlift. And then, you know, 6 p.m. that night, you know, whenever you're done with your training sessions, like you don't have any desire to do that again. And could you go do that again? Sure, you could. But I think for some people, uh, that is kind of what's going on. They're already beat up from a lot of what's going on in their life. Maybe they don't have a lot of love. Maybe they feel lonely. Um, There's just like so many things that can kind of already have you like at this kind of a lower frequency and then for you to get to be to a point where you're like i just ain't gonna worry about it it it's just uh it can be very difficult and challenging for people i think at sometimes so i think of this like the maslow's hierarchy of needs and you know on the bottom you gotta have food and safety and you work your way up to love and romance and then transcend to helping other people and spirituality and stuff like that i suppose uh yeah if you're missing one of the basic necessities <laughs> then, you know, trying all this other stuff isn't going to help it. You got to figure out like what the source is, you know, mm-hmm. the food and, and love, I think, and, and friendship and, and support and community connection is one that I think is, is missing uh, from a lot of people, especially when there's, you know, there's the sort of divide and conquer. Love is huge. Thing, you you know? men- you're mentioning jealousy. I mean, I think the kind of uh, like inverse or the other side of jealousy is like you somehow feel unloved because this other person is now getting attention. And that's not true. Yeah. So if I like when I share my girlfriend with with Ken, for example, uh, one of the ways I get around the jealousy is <laughs> I'm like, amazing. you know what? If I really love her, then I'm going to love to see her happy. Like like my her happiness that's is my rough. happiness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God damn. And 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 and, Yo, and how you doing? You're happy? She's like, yep. <laughs> but then imagine then knowing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want you to be that happy and excited. <laughs> then then knowing knowing also what she wants. Like let's say okay, she does tell me, and that hurts my feelings that she wants to be with Ken. But then I know in the back of my head that that's something that she wants that I'm not giving her. Then I then I, that that would actually I I just said yes instantly, but it would kind of eat away at me. Like you know what, she wants something that would really satisfy her, and I'm not giving it to her because of myself. I'm putting myself in front of her needs and her wants, and I want her to be really fair too. Because like these girls treat me this way, they mm-hmm. give me anything I want. There's nothing. There's almost nothing off limits, and that's love to me. That I feel the love. Like they just their happiness is to see me happy. Yeah, and I'm like wow, I need to give this in return like there's a karma thing going on here too like i also need to make these women as happy as they make me she's eating your butt and you're like look at that she does love me i don't need to be jealous of fucking ken (laughs) probiotics hey but yeah you better take those probiotics but hey no that's 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 uh that's real deep that's why i mean a lot of people are becoming more uh, open with those different types of relationships here in the u.s mm-hmm. um and it's good you know yeah. if that if that's because i think that not even i think like we're we're all raised within this idea of monogamy and, or a monogamous relationship right and i like personally for me that's the thing i still want but um you know if you're someone who knows <laughs> that that's something that you want to do like you want to you know be do that shit um and it's not shit it's just like do that stuff then shoot 
be honest, be open and do that shit. It's good. I think it is becoming more accepted. Oh, it is. But but when I was younger, absolutely not. And my parents, of course, you know, my parents are really conservative. They've Mm -hmm. been married a really long time and, you know, they want me to be married and have children live and all live together with, you know, monogamous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's taken them a long time to accept who I am, and they finally are. It's almost like it's almost like uh, when gay someone's gay and comes out of the closet, mm-hmm. like me being this polygamous sort of style or this free love sort of style. Yeah, it was like me coming out of the closet, and like they couldn't accept it. You got to just think they how gave me different. Such a hard time. Yeah, you got to just think how different it is for them. You know. Yeah. That's it's just it's just because it's different. So there's just not, not, not as easy to uh, deal with. There's spilled coffee. all over Yeah. Oh. But now they see, now they see it, you know, and now they, they talk to my, ba- both of my baby mamas, they talk to them and they start, they start to understand, you know, that everybody's happy. So yeah. if everybody's happy, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Tony, when you were mentioning Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it made me think of something because I, I have a few people that I know that have quite a bit of anxiety, but it's not necessarily anxiety about themselves is anxiety about the world it's anxiety about the things that are going on oh, around the world because like you see so many things on social media like what just happened in haiti what ha- what's happening in afghanistan you see so many things and so like so many people i know are like god this world blah blah blah, and it get, gets them anxious but you know when you look at the hierarchy of needs if you if you're not able to deal with these specific things right but then now you're worrying about the world at large that doesn't serve you you know what i mean so it makes me wonder just like I mean, how, what kind of advice you'd give to individuals in that, in that place? Because if you don't like, right, if you don't have your family set up, if, if you don't have these things, yeah. why are you worrying at the world at large when there's nothing you can do there? You don't even have your home in order. Yeah. So let's, let's look at this, this spectrum here, because this will help, I think, help paint a visual picture. Um, on the, on this extreme side of the spectrum, you don't care about anything. Mm. And on this other extreme, you care about everything so yeah. much that it's counterproductive. Now, I had an ex-girlfriend who, when she'd watch the news and there was a flood and someone died, mm. she'd be crying for like three hours. Like, and I'm like, you don't even know this person. Why are you so upset? How is this affecting you so much? Oh, it's just so sad. I'm like, okay, then you need to not watch the news. That's the solution. You need, if you can't emotionally control your reaction to what you're seeing, then you need to not see it. And so this is the type of thing where you you know, get off the social media or you stop watching the news and you just say, what information you only have so much time and energy and mental processing power in the day. And you got to decide what information you're going to put in your head. And I think information about something that's happening, you know, on the other side of the world is not relevant to your life. Okay. If you're going to vote, yeah. Okay. Do the research at that time when it's time to vote for something, or if you can actually do something about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, you also need to understand how everything's working in the world so that you can strategize long term. Mm-hmm. Like you got to know with this whole virus thing that's happening, what's the world going to be like in five years? So, you know, do I buy a house? Do I move money offshore? Do I what kind of business should I be in? What kind of skills should I be developing? So but you set that time aside. So that's like an Eckhart Tolle sort of idea, which is you're living in the moment most of the time, but you do take time to look at everything and then strategize, but it's mindful. You don't just let the media put stuff in your head and control your emotions because that's the whole point of it. That's what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. If they make you upset, you're easy to control. An emotional human being is easy to control as a, as a, as a trained dog. That's actually a really interesting point that you bring up. Imagine asking somebody, you know, during uh, this entire pandemic, uh, what have you done to help your future? And I think a lot of people would say, I, they'd probably go, uh, 
I'm not, I don't think I, I don't know. Yeah. Like I've been stressed. I've been, right. It's just put, reactive versus proactive. Right. They haven't had reacting. an opportunity. They've yeah. been kind of sunken underneath and haven't even uh, come up for fresh air to kind of look and see uh, what they could be working towards this entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, and the, and the problem is the apathy and, you know, just being okay with doing nothing has become some of the norm. Like it's okay to just stay home and do nothing now. Right. Whereas it used to be, you'd feel like a loser. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, but it also gives you an opportunity like, okay, you could say, okay, everybody else is staying home. If you think of like life as a competition, you're competing with people like this is my opportunity where like everybody's kind of not doing anything. I could really do something big right now and it'd be even more significant. No, I mean, on that note, I do know some people like I know some people who ended up, you know, going on unemployment, but there's some I know that didn't do anything. And there's some I know that use this time that since that getting unemployment was super easy, they're not using this time to build something. So there are people that are just taking advantage of the system at hand to get a leg up on on other things that they're trying to do. But, But back to what you're mentioning about the news, like to be perfectly honest, if I had my feed filled with a lot of things that like I see on my mom's feed and I see in some of my friends' feeds, that shit would affect me too. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's, that's literally why I clean that shit up. So I'm not seeing it because I know yeah. if it's something that I need to hear about, somebody's going to tell me. They're good at it because they know how to trigger you because they, they're analyzing all your personal data and all that. And they get me too. I go online to look one thing up or to post something and boom, I get hit with something and then I get, and then I have to be mindful and try to control it. But then I mm-hmm. realize how many people would be in this situation and not be able to control their emotion. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the other side of this is like, it it is good to be empathetic towards things that are going on around the world. It's like, you don't want to see that there was a massive tragedy somewhere else and you don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is you can't let yourself get so filled with that information that then it overcomes you and then you can't take action on the things that are right in front of you. Yeah. But if we, but if we waste empathy and emotional energy on something that's not relevant, Mm -hmm. it's taking away from that emotional energy we could be giving to our family or someone, friend or something right in front of us. That's very true. The power of now, by the way, guys is uh Eckhart Tolle you mentioned that author The Power of Now is a very good book um I got a lot from it it's very very useful so you guys should check that out yeah yeah, yeah. um what is it, what is going to uh ask you next is uh where in your life have you like maybe made some mistakes that allowed you to understand how much you want to wanted to explore your own freedom like, like, um, mm. you mentioned some relationships that were hard. Did you get like divorced or did you hit some sort of like, uh, just emotional, like kind of wreckage and be like, you know what? Fuck this man. Like, I don't, whatever this is like, this is, I hate this. Like, I don't like this. I want to figure out something that's the opposite of whatever the hell this is. Yeah. Baby mama trapping me with pregnancy because that was a trap and it was intentional, you know, to lock me down. And, uh, and she also she also knew and it broke my trust so much because she also knew how important it was to me at that stage in my legal career not to have a child because I was so focused on work I couldn't have that kind of distraction. Mm. Uh so that was like a betrayal and then also like a huge liability. Uh I mean in the end a good thing, right? My, my daughter's great and all that. Now it's fine. Now we're together still and everything, but at the time, yeah, that's what it made me say, "Whoa, I need to change everything and focus on freedom. Otherwise I'm going to get more and more buried in liabilities. Mm. And then also when I was here before, I have this big house and all these cars and jet skis and motorcycles and boats. 
And all of that sounds wonderful and it's fun to use them, but it's always in the back of my mind as a liability. Like I got to maintain these things. I got to worry if it gets stolen, broken, whatever. Now I'm here living in a rental house, you know, an Airbnb and driving a Kia rental car. And I am like really happy and I've got no weight on my mm. shoulders. So like my default status is happy. And if mm. I had a bunch of toys and liabilities and responsibilities on top of it, uh, it doesn't it's exciting and it's fun as a novel, but it doesn't really add more happiness. Instead, it adds more stress and anxiety and weighs me down. And I'm more of a creative type person actually than analytical. And so if for me to be creative, I have to not have that weight on my shoulders. It's a distraction from my creativity. Yeah. And then my parents were divorced at a young age and were fighting over me for custody my whole life. And I yeah. saw like <laughs> the court system and the the liability that my dad faced to my mom. My mom wasn't even asking for much, but my dad made it a, a thing to go to war for my whole life. So uh, watching that and realizing how much, you know, the government has control over people and marriage. And, and then as a lawyer, seeing my clients and being able to see all different types of people and lifestyles and uh, businesses and income. And uh, yeah, I, I would see a lot of people with huge liability. Like I think of it like liability versus assets. Right. Mm -hmm. And I see these massive liabilities and I'm like, God, that's, I don't, I don't want to feel trapped. I don't want to feel like I'm not free to do what I want, go where I want to. So those are the those are all the different factors. And then going to Thailand too and, and feeling freedom and being around these other influencers, even now, like Joe Aesthetics is just a great example on so many levels because he's like the top of the fitness influencing and um and you know, he makes a lot of money, a lot of money, but he spends very little. You know, mm -hmm. he lives in a condo that's basically like a one bedroom apartment, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very small and he drives motorbikes. And uh, his clothes are all sponsored and all that kind of stuff. And his supplements are all sponsored. He doesn't, he just spends money on, on food. And, and, and then I have this other friend, this, this German bodybuilder. Uh, and he, he makes $15,000 a month. Mm. And he spends $1,500 per month living in Thailand. You know, and, and it's simple. I mean, it's not, his condo's tiny. He doesn't have any assets whatsoever. He's got nothing other than his money, his income, his savings, but his freedom to do whatever he wants at any moment. And that's just appealing to me. On the other hand, being back here in America and seeing the nice houses and going to Costco and seeing the big TVs and the furniture, like that was my style before. And I like that also, you know, it's, it's actually really nice. It depends on the personality type. I think I lean more towards the freedom, but I also understand like building your environment around you to have everything that you want and all the luxuries and being comfortable. So I get that too. And I actually appreciate that more. I just, if I was going to go back to that, I'd be just really careful to not obligate myself to anything that's going to where on where me you know be in the back of my mind is like a stress or something mm. i'd go low maintenance on everything if i need a car it'd be a low maintenance car if i'm going to get a house it's going to be a house that doesn't require a lot of mental energy that type of thing marriage itself i think can be a huge liability and you've probably seen that firsthand especially being an attorney um i find some of the points that you're bringing up here really interesting about your parents getting divorced and uh the stuff that you saw when you were young it just kind of makes me think like you were smart enough to recognize what was the kind of root of, of all this like angst that was in your family's life was like, if, 
if the idea of getting married and it, it being a like uh, law binding thing through the government or state or however you say it, and then also sometimes through religion, like if that just wasn't there, if your parents were instead like, hey, we're together, and then for whatever reason it didn't work, they would fight and yell and go back and forth a little bit, but then that would be that. And there would be a lot less of that, like, oh, okay, you're choosing to go a different route. Okay, you're choosing to go a different route. Okay, you know, go fuck yourself or whatever. <laughs> whatever the conversation is or whether it's, hey, you know, have a good one or whatever. Um, I think it's just interesting. You know, it's just a different way of interpreting uh, how people should maybe be together. Yeah, you know, I think it's good that people, you know, you just get married to someone uh, out of high school or something. That works for a lot of people, but a lot of people also really get trapped like that because you're change over time. So now you've signed like a long-term contract and you don't even know how the contract's going to go. You can't predict because you're dealing with another person and people's personality changes. They develop different, their interests change and all that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, be, being married is a, is a huge limitation on freedom. can be a really wonderful thing, but getting into it and realizing the significance of the document that you sign, you know, as a lawyer, as I... So you get to see how significant that is and how it changes everybody's life, again, for better or, or for worse. But to make that decision, I think people should have more information. They should understand what the contract means more because nobody – okay. Can lawyer you know, Tony come out and tell us maybe like what people should be paying attention to when they sign a marriage document and also maybe if they should think about getting prenups and how powerful prenups I, could be? Can you explain some of this yeah, to Yeah, I us? would just like to interrupt just for a second and I would say that I don't think anyone should actually get married under those circumstances. Mm. I think that you know, exchanging wedding vows and telling someone, hey, we're getting yeah. married and all that, Long engagement. Uh, that sounds great. And saying, hey, I'm just devoting the next however long <laughs> – I think we can hang together for to you. Um, but other than that, just, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm like, this actually doesn't make any sense. What the hell did I, what the hell did I do? And I honestly don't regret any of it, but it, it, it is an interesting thing. It's like, oh my God, like the government and our banks and some of these things tried to smush us together as one person mm -hmm. and we're fucking not. We're individual people and we need individual time. We need our own space. Yeah. We need our own hobbies. We need our own things. Like we're not one. We're just not. We're, mm -hmm. we're unified in the sense that we have uh, goals together as a couple and as a family, those things for sure. And those things are wonderful and those things are great. But to try to pretend that we're one person on a sheet of paper is fucking ludicrous in my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what, so the reason I like also being with, different women is I get to be a little bit different person with different women. Like I'm a different person. So have to think I'm going to answer your question very sp directly, but I'm, I've got to give a foundation gotcha. here. Uh, I, I need it. I think it's best that someone experiences many different people so they can also experience their many dimensions of their personality. Oh shit. And you might find, you might see a girl that is very attractive and you think you get along and all that. And, and who are you, but who do you become in that relationship? Mm -hmm. And then if you try different relationships, you might find like um, what you thought on the surface was going to be the best for you isn't because it's not the best for your, your personal development and who you want to be. So I, I like the variety. That's why I like to see many women because each one I can be a different person and it's, it's not like, it's like acting sort of, right? But it's real. It's like I get to, with some girls, I get to be intellectual. With other girls, I get to be playful, you know? Because, um, you, you know, you're going to be whatever makes that relationship and that style the best. So I think it's good when people go to college and they, you know, they're 
a little bit promiscuous. I think in the United States, that's the style. It's not like that in every country. It's very different. Every country is very different. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., it's like people are usually promiscuous in, their, in, in college and right after college, and they settle down a little bit later. And that's probably a good thing, mm-hmm. right? It's, so for, for my friends, for my closer friends, what I tell them is, hey, before you get married, just come to Thailand and just see a different culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rampage if you want, whatever, but just, but just <laughs> see how – relationships can be different and just that way you can decide, make an educated decision because when you're deciding for marriage in America, you're deciding against that lifestyle. And that, that's a helpful perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the marriage contract, um, when you sign a marriage document, right, it's a piece of paper. It's, but you, but what you're actually doing is you're signing a contract of all of California family law and some federal law. So if you had to put, I mean, you could fill this room with California law on marriage. That's the contract you're signing. You sign one paper, which is obligating you to an entire room full of uh, legal uh, obligations that takes a lawyer to even understand. And even then you don't know what's going to happen until you go in front of a judge. So like that, that's a big risk. Like if, if you're someone who doesn't like risk and you like to be able to plan and know how things are going to turn out, then, you know, prenup, of course, right. That's, but, but prenups aren't that even protect always you? bulletproof yeah. and they don't protect you from everything and they can, and anybody can sue anybody for anything. But I think that a prenup is really important because a prenup is a contract that you're actually going to read and you're actually going to agree on. So there's two options. Do you agree on a whole room full of government documents that you're never going to read and or understand by signing the one piece of paper, or are you going to take the time to sign a 10 page piece of paper that you can actually read and actually understand? People don't understand that they're by choosing to sign the one page that they're um, or, or they think it's easier um, to just sign the marriage contract, the, the state government document than it is to make their own contract, but making their own contract is something they can understand, something simple, something they can plan for. So I, I still be no very easy for someone to get to your money though, if that's ultimately what, where your thoughts are, right? Because like, Oh, in our time together, yeah, you thought of this idea and you know, <laughs> and we got kids together and stuff like that. I mean, the court is going to make a, that's going to, that's a quick, easy decision for them to be like, yeah, you know, you, you deserve, you do deserve half or whatever. Right. And it's the length of the marriage too. So, you know, after 10 years, every state's different, but just generally, like if you've been married for 10 years, then whoever's making the money is going to have to support the other person for the rest of their lives, no matter what happens. Y'all hear about Brittany Renner? Mm -mm. Uh, Brittany Renner is this woman bundle of Brittany. Uh, (laughs) You can look her up on Instagram. Um, but this woman has made videos in the past, uh, cause she was like one of these IG baddies. That's what they are. Right. Uh, and she made these videos in the past. Like if you want to, you know, if you want to get a basketball player, this is what you do. Oh, like, uh, I, I, like she made a video, like, you know, I mean, this is what you do. This is how you're supposed to do it. This is how you go about it. She made instructionals. Well, she goes and she, uh, dates this 19 year old guy who's uh, on an, I forget, I forget which NBA team he was on. Right. And you can look this up, Andrew, because this, this shit was going wild, but she, is this her? Yeah, that's her. That's her. She got pregnant by this dude. And then literally um, right after I think they, they got married right after the pregnancy or whatever, she got divorced and she made him sign a contract that would have him paying 200 K oh, a month God, for 18 God. years mm-hmm. because she, she, and she knew what she did. She she she's been open about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is like this 29, 30 year old girl. He's like 19 or whatever. But like, yo, not that everyone's 
has NBA money, but men, women, be careful out here. These streets aren't safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be careful when I'm here in America. <laughs> yeah. Big risk. <laughs> Big risk. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. That's a great idea to write a book about it. That's hilarious. I was thinking about writing a book as a lawyer. I, I saw how people were exploiting government benefits. Mm. And I was thinking about writing a book, you know, and I'm, I'm libertarian, or I guess you could say, I think the minimum, the less government, the better. Um, so I don't like the idea of any government benefits or for the most part, but I see my clients exploiting government benefits. And I'm like, you know what? I, instead of trying to fight against this and tell people, I think this is wrong. I think let's go the other way. Let's, let's, let's make a book where I teach people how to exploit the government benefits to the point where the government becomes so bankrupt over it, they've got to re they've got to address the problem. Hey. Like let's get everybody on government benefits. Let's get let's just make it such a big thing. Let's go let's let me put to this book out there and then go on Fox News or something <laughs> and talk about how I wrote this book and everybody will be outraged about it, but a ton of people will use it and cost the government so much money that we'll have to reevaluate the whole system. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you get a chance to see the Caitlyn Jenner documentary? No, it's good. It's really good. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. I think I think you'd like it. Um, you are aware of Bruce Jenner and and uh, Bruce Jenner being an uh, Olympic uh, decathlete and um, a gold medalist and all that, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen pictures or videos of Bruce Jenner? Maybe Andrew, maybe you can bring up yeah. some. Yeah, it's a, the old old ones, like when he was. Um, from the Olympics and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Jacked. He's on the Wheaties box or something. Yeah. Like that. So, what do you yeah. think, Natty or not? Uh, right now? Oh, no. back then. Yeah, back then. Oh, um, See, I don't know. Bring up some, I mean, back, bring back up some then clips. in the Olympics, I think you could still get away with a lot. It was a long-ass time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just, uh, Bruce Jenner, made some uh, crazy uh, changes and transformation from one Olympics to another. Um, you know, could have been through lifting, like, you know, because back then, not a lot of athletes even lifted or even knew the benefits of lifting. So it's definitely possible uh, that, you know, um, maybe he wasn't lifting, maybe he wasn't un was unaware. Uh, but <clears throat> in this documentary, as they go through showing you Bruce Jenner's career, um, you just start to see like the metamorphosis going on in the shoulders and shit like that. And you're like, mm, I don't know. Interesting. Man, had a help an upper chest, shoulder region. Yeah. At versus all the other guys. Like, he was just like, hurt, you know? Like, mm. damn. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely more jacked than everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great documentary, guys. Like, you, you should check it out. It was, uh, it was, he was a crazy competitor, worked super hard for a long time for that. So, Paul Vault's fine. And crazy. is he going to run for politics? It seemed like think, it was yeah. going that governor way. Think, right yeah, now, Caitlyn right? Jenner's running for uh, governor, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> kind of recall Newsom, right? Yeah. What's it like going around in this new body, being forty pounds lighter? Any advantage? Any? I mean, you said you're a lot uh, leaner, so you enjoy that. But uh, anything else? You feel different or better or worse? Yeah, more energy. Um, it's more comfortable when you're sleeping. What about your ego? Yeah. Uh, Has I, that been? Yeah, I feel. Uh, at first, I felt because I was just weak and uh, my lungs were weak and my heart was weak. Also, after the Rona. I I felt very vulnerable going out in public. I felt normally I feel invincible. Like there's nobody that could really hurt me physically because I could defend myself type thing, which, you know, it's not that's not something we should we don't we shouldn't have to be thinking about our safety out in a modern society like this. But I do. 
It's an animal instinct maybe. So normally I, I'm just not even that aware of it because I just feel invincible. Mm-hmm. But afterwards I felt like, wow, if someone attacked me, they would destroy me. Like I'd be so winded and so weak. And so I felt really vulnerable. I didn't like that feeling. Um, I think that, but that's, that's part of function of the loss of the body weight, just the difference. And then that's also part just because I was in bad condition until I got my cardio capacity up mm. and all that. Uh, but everybody tells me, every person tells me they like the way I look now better than when I was bigger. You look good. So you look yeah, great. a lot of positive reinforcement for this type of physique, which is actually more natural for me and much healthier for me. But at the same time, like I'm Dr. Tony huge, you know? <laughs> oh, you know, the one person, the one person that said, no, I need to get bigger is uh, our India distributor who's uh, I'm awesome and a, and a really important part of the companies that I, that I do. And he said, I need you huge by October 27th in Dubai. I can't, I can't have you be in this shredded thing for that. I'm like, oh, I don't have, I'm not technically obligated to do it, but I'm yeah. kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. Because it's, it's an India, Indian and Middle East. Um, they're already shredded, right? So yes. they want to see big. Um, so, okay, fine. I can get big. I can get big so fast. Growth hormone, insulin, IGF, SARMs, gear, short blast, a <laughs> lot of food. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, bro, <laughs> like, dude, like you, you look so healthy. This yeah. is a healthier weight for you. You do look big. It's, it's the whole like fitness industry yeah, big, but you yeah, look, you are big. big. You are and I'm just like, man, if this is your healthy weight, you're already jacked and shredded. You look this good. Why don't fucking keep it? Yeah. Well, I definitely want to keep the abs. We'll see. Uh, grow the muscles a little bit, but I'm going to prioritize the abs. Keep it dry. Keep it shredded. Yeah. Are, are you still uh, trying to get get bigger for uh, Olympia? Because I know we were talking earlier, you got a shit ton of athletes that are competing. I and think I'll that? put on 10 pounds for Olympia, and okay. then I'm okay. And when's then, the Olympia? October 7th, roughly, mm-hmm. around there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go to Florida earlier and hang out with everybody and stay a little bit later in Florida and get a lot of cool content. I'll meet up with Big Lenny and... And PJ Braun and Boston Lloyd and Dave Palumbo, all these guys. Oh, wow. Who do you think is going to win? Well, Ramey's my guy, of course, (laughs) right? So, I mean, we're we're, uh, sponsoring Ramey and seven other Olympians, actually. I don't don't have the the list list of everybody here. Um, Chris Bumstead is competing, right? Uh, uh, I don't know. I didn't in the actual much. Olympia. Like he, I think in bodybuilding or classic. Uh, I think in regular bodybuilding. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's gonna oh, yeah. be sick. Um, I think that's. I don't know if you've seen like his Instagram and stuff, but like he's like pulling six seventy five for reps. He's squatting six. He's like, you know, he what? just he just as big as the fucking guy is. It's ridiculous to say, but he like recognizes he needs to get bigger. If if there is such a thing, wow. I mean, he's already fucking enormous. Yeah. Um, he moves really well. Like, he seems like an amazing athlete. I think he you was know, a soccer player in the past. Ah. Got mm. something going on. Yeah. So, of course, we're rooting for Ramey because he's our guy. He's our sponsored um, athlete. And he's going to, Ramey's coming over to Bruh. train with Dennis James pretty soon here, preparing for Chris the Olympia. Bumstead's a freak, dude. Have you uh, seen uh, Ramey um, train before? Have you, 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 have you had an opportunity to work out with him or anything like that? I was at Oxygen Gym with him three years ago. It's just ridiculous, right? How big, how fucking big the guy is. Yeah, yeah. So, so wide. Like the shoulders, that's the most amazing thing. These shoulders just cap out. Like they just, like shelves, you know. Yeah, huge. And legs huge too, yeah. How did you guys, uh, how how were you able to, you know, get in contact with him and, and, and end up having this relationship with him? 
So I, I've known Ramey and Ramey's known me. And actually I was in Ramey's, I was in Ramey's booth Holy uh, two <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, what the fuck? Right. But I didn't negotiate any of this business, any of the business with Ramey and, and mm. his crew. That was uh, all the, the C, enhanced CEO and a little bit of coach Trevor actually behind the scenes. Mm. Was yeah, involved. Somebody was asking for about Coach Trevor. Like, how's yeah. he doing? What's he up to? I'll meet up with Coach Trevor. Yeah. Um, when when I, I'll go to Los Angeles and and Vegas, then I'll come back to Sacramento and then I'll meet up with Coach Trevor. You know what's so wild to me? Like when you look at Ramey when he like started, you know, the whole bodybuilding thing. Just the 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 fact that he was able to pack on so much size is mm. ridiculous. Like just the, the the ability for his body to have done that is just so crazy to me. Because, yeah. like, before, he never looked like, he looked, he was big, but it wasn't, like, big, 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 you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. How many different products do you guys make now? Oh, uh, maybe Probably there's, like, kind of a lot, right? Like, 15 or something, mm. something like that. So, always adding some, mm -hmm. one product every once in a while, or a flavor, or changing a flavor. Mm. Always something changing. Yeah. What are some of your favorites that, that you guys have? The new Dennis James EAA is one of the best tasting supplements I've had. Mm. I mean, which is surprising for an EAA because essential amino acids and yeah, branched amino acids gross. taste terrible. They're so mm. bitter. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to flavor it. So I'm, I'm not the expert on the flavoring. Canadian chemist Trevor, mm. Canadian Trevor Curritson, he's the one mm. who, who worked on that also. Uh, and Dennis James with the flavoring also. So, and, and I didn't taste it until after it was in production. And then when I had it, I was like, oh my God, I drink it three times a day right now. Mm. because Sounds instead amazing. of drinking juice so instead of drinking juice or soda oh. i'm drinking the eaa because wow. it tastes good do you guys still have the sleep juice yeah sleep okay. juice i think to me it's a little sweet tasting you know sweet tea <laughs> is the flavor right mm -hmm. but the thing about these it's such a good product the sleep juice mm -hmm. is so good for sleep and sleep quality what's I in the sleep it. juice uh, like there's like 12 different ingredients like herbs of course uh melatonin as as always everything has that for sleep but just a lot of herbs like rhodiola and like ashwagandha so a lot of cortisol lowering mm -hmm. and anxiety lowering supplements so that you can relax at night and get deeper sleep so it helps you fall asleep faster helps you get deeper sleep helps you stay asleep but also mild nothing addicting uh and then you know it, it is an herbal basic supplement so like you, have, you take a whole scoop of it. That's why it can't be in capsules. It'd be too many capsules. Mm -hmm. Plus, you don't want to take capsules right before you go to sleep anyways. Uh, and then usually two scoops is is even much better. Mm -hmm. And not just for sleep, even just in the evening to relax, mm -hmm. to wind down is nice, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll take that with a uh, raspberry element. It's It tastes way too good. Like wow. it, It's really freaking good. But yeah, I, I have to get some more because i've been babying it like i'll just do it a little bit just like i need a little bit just to get through the rest of the you know the week or whatever mm. but no that stuff's really great actually yeah we're talking indra talking about uh, mm -hmm. anxiety stuff mm -hmm. you can actually take sleep juice in the daytime as an anti-anxiety or oh, cortisol shit. lowering too yeah it, it's not going to make you fall asleep unless you want to fall asleep because it's not like a sleeping drug you mm -hmm. know? You know, where do you sell to the most do you sell a lot like uh you know mainly in the united states or is it uh Middle well, East, well, yeah, by far. Once once Ramey came on board, I mean, every supplement shop in the Middle East made wholesale orders. It was crazy. So, so I'm sure you had to pay him a good amount. Has that worked out well? Yeah, it's 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 extremely expensive, right? right. Um, and and Dennis James also, you know, uh, but it it works. It pay for it pays for itself because That's of great. the Middle East. As far as America, surprisingly, sales didn't go up at all. 
with Raimi in America. But the Middle East came on board and then India, it made a difference. So internationally, it was, Raimi was huge. Mm. It's interesting. Not, not Very as much cool. in America, yeah. Um, since we're talking about supplements, and this is probably going to be on the minds of people, uh, sex cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have spoken about this before, but is there anything that you you know you think is beneficial for people to be taking in that realm? So what I when I'm trying when I want to pump pretty much every day, <laughs> what I take is uh, Viagra, of course, right? Sildenafil is the generic name for it, so we'll say Sildenafil. So you don't think that, is there any long term drawbacks of that, like, or it's just it just. There's there's some potential long-term vision side effects if you were on it all the time at a high mm-hmm. dosage, yeah. Okay. But as long as you give yourself breaks, if you take it once a day, you're only on it for like seven hours. Yeah. So then you're getting a break once a day if you take it. If you take it once a day, you're getting a break the other part of the day. It's not a problem. Uh, taking it three times a day every day would be too much. Uh, but then – and then Cialis is more mild and you can take that every day long-term. And you can take both together, actually. You know, you know, I, I lab test products. This is really funny. I lab test <laughs> products all the time for my own company and other companies and stuff. And there's these dick pills in Thailand that are herbal. Mm-hmm. And I lab tested them. And it came out to be 80 milligrams of Viagra and 20, 15 milligrams of Cialis per tablet. Is that a lot? Yeah, it's like a full dosage of each, oh, like wow. like a high wow. dosage of each. And it, this together. is supposed to be more like a supplement is what they're trying to tell you. That oh, the is label just has herbs names on it. Yeah. But you take it, <laughs> you take it and you're like, whoa, this works really good. Yeah. Damn, these kale shakes work. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. A little spiking Dang. going on there. Yeah. So so the combination of, C- of Cialis and Viagra or Sildenafil and Tadalafil mm-hmm. is actually works pretty good too. Um, but just like I deal with building muscle or burning fat, everything I think about pathways. So I think about sexuality. I think, okay, we got the we got the brain, we got the blood flow, we got libido and excitement. So you want to look at uh, limiting factors also, like testosterone. Want to make mm. sure your testosterone levels are good and your estrogen, because a lot of bodybuilders drop their estrogen too low, they lose their sex drive. And then the blood flow, which is you know, pre-workouts actually with the arginine and citrulline and all these type of things also work along the similar pathway as Viagra and, and Cialis. So you, there are natural products that increase uh, blood flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's most exciting to me is PT-141 because that's a peptide. And that mm-hmm. gives me that feeling because I, I, as I get older, sometimes I'm just like, God, I wish I could be as horny as I was when I was younger, like, like when I was younger, I was so horny and I had no girl to do it with. Right. <laughs> Torture. Yeah. And like, now I have all these girls, but I'm not near as horny as I was back then. If I yeah. could just have both together. <laughs> so that's what PT 141 does. And okay. there's other, there's other, uh, pathways you can use too, but PT 141 is just so easy and there's no side effects. And there's no side effects. I, I've not heard of any, yeah, I've never heard of anybody. Okay, some some instant side effect is a little bit of nausea. Okay. Which I drink chamomile tea with it, mm-hmm. nausea gone. Okay. How easy is that? Okay. Right? Wow. Yeah. So chamomile tea and melanotan is the same. Melanotan and PT-141 do the same thing sexually, but melanotan yeah. makes you tan and PT-141 doesn't. I saw this uh, this thumbnail of this white girl that took some melanotan. Apparently a few months later, she was like, she did not look like the same ethnicity. She looked black. Um, it must be recent. I don't know if it was uh, from Derek, if it's one of his new thumbnails or something, but somebody made something about melanotan. That's hilarious. 
So a lot of my friends in Thailand are on melanotan. Yeah. So they get like, they're really normally European, very white, but they've got this really dark tan. I mean, some of them take it to really extreme. They're so dark. So I, I remember this is going to be fun, but when uh, I was doing Starmageddon and I was do, I was taking blue ox, somebody mm-hmm. in the comment section was talking about uh, like, dude, be careful if you take that because it's going to rate it's what you, the, the volume of your load is going to go up. <laughs> yeah, that just sounds like a sexual thing. Blue ox like yeah, well, it is the black one. Black ox. Black, black ox. Black, black, black ox. ox. But is, is there any truth? <laughs> is there any truth to that? Like, can you actually like. Increase, raise, load? increase the volume of your load. Hey, that sounds yeah. dope. Clomid, <laughs> with Clomid, right? Yeah, Clomid, uh-huh. lecithin, Whoa. zinc. Get out your raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> and umbrella. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, Pidgeum extract. P-Y-G-E-U-M. It sounds like a Pokemon. I was going to say it sounds like Pidgey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pidgeotto, Pidgeot. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm taking right now. Actually. Sick. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm working on that. Uh, As yeah. a supplement? No, no, no. Oh, For okay. myself personally, I'm taking all of those things to increase load. Yeah. Are, those are all, no, those aren't all orals. Yeah. All they or, are? Those are all orals. Yeah. Oh, I mean, sure. imagine like, especially if you're going to, like what, in my, my situation in <laughs> Thailand. Most of those things you just mentioned are... Um, not pharmaceutical. Yeah, this is all just sub regular supplements. Just over herbs, the yeah, yeah, zinc and lecithin, and I mean, there are things you some of these things you want to take anyway. <laughs> Let's repeat. Zinc. Clomid is the prescription one, but lecithin. that's available as a research chemical, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so zinc, lecithin, clomid. Uh, we gotta stay away from the clomid. What else? Pigeum. Pigeum. P i g e. The natty professor. Well, these are supplements. That's the supplements only. Yeah, subs only. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's other. Oh, I use HCG and HMG too because mm. my balls shrink because I'm on TRT and, and take steroids and SARMs. And it, I find it's sex more pleasurable if my balls are bigger and also I can make bigger loads. So uh, I use HMG and HCG also. But th- that's also not natural. That's also research chemical stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then. To the back to the libido and sex protocol. Mm-hmm. So yes, blue ox and black ox are part of it, and then cabergoline. What is this? That lowers prolactin and it lowers your refractory time, so you can Let's have sex go. more often. What? So, and it makes it more pleasurable. To that's take. a pharmaceutical. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well. But but it's one. It, it but it doesn't have any side effects. It just it just increases dopamine a little bit and mm. lowers prolactin. What is it called? Cabergoline. Yeah, it's cabergoline. a Parkinson's medication. These are. Oh um, wow. You can get them off some of the research sites. Like, so they're not, it's not like a steroid, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. Do, yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm, I mean, like what, the cabergoline, the PT-141, the sildenafil, the tadalafil, I'm using all Swiss chems. So that's, mm-hmm. it's like. Uh, what does Swiss chems whatever, mean? Swiss chems so, is like website? research chemicals. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay website, okay. yeah. Okay. And then some of these things are available over the counter in Thailand too. But the thing is, they're even more expensive over the counter than they are on the website. So I still get them from the website. Reminds me when I went to, uh, I went on a cruise to Mexico. Uh, we made a stop and we were passing by like this pharmacy. And this like pharmacist lady was like at the front. She's like, steroids, steroids. And she was <laughs> yeah, pointing at me. I was like, I was like, <laughs> she's like, steroids. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yo, I'll keep walking. Uh, and but as you walk away, she's like, not natty. <laughs> <laughs> it was hella funny. She just she's looked like, at me and yelled steroids. Must have bought them somewhere else already. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the freedom of other countries being yeah, able to man. buy pharmaceuticals. But. What's your uh, anxiety sheet that you got over here? A lot of yeah, people have so, issues with, uh, you know, anxiety yeah. and stress and stuff. And 
you got a whole rap sheet on maybe well, what to do about it. Specifically, I said, you know, is there anything because Andrew and I were talking mm -hmm. and, and I was like, is there anything that you want to know about? And he said, anxiety. So I said, okay, I have, I have all these protocols in my phone and I never really consolidate my notes. I mean, I'm starting to, and then I put the protocols in the inner circle and to my telegram group. I have a free telegram group that's uncensored, which I really can talk uncensored on. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Cool. And then how do people sign up for that? How can they find out more about that? I think the easiest way is if you type in Tony Huge link tree on Google because that has a lot of links to a lot of the things I talk about. And one of those, you can just click on the telegram group and automatically it will launch your telegram app Yeah, and mm -hmm. boom, you're in the group. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. You just click the button. I'll, I'll put yeah. links to your, your Instagram, your new Instagram. Cause the other one got deleted. The, your oh, your yeah, relationship yeah. page and this telegram. I'll put them all into the description. I need to get, I had 150,000 followers on Instagram and it and just got, got deleted again? a week ago. This was another moment where I think, most people would have an emotional breakdown, but I literally, I was like, ah, here we go again. Time to build another profile. You know, just what, what can I do about it? No emotional reaction. Like just, just get back to work. So now I've got only 16,000 followers on the new one. Cause I'm just building it. It was kind of a placeholder before, but now I got to try and that. get those mm -hmm. hundred thousand people back over to the new one. So the new one is Tony dot huge. Yeah. And I'm going to have to be more conservative on it. Mm -hmm. I can't talk about Rona as much and I can't, the other thing I got flagged for is I, I just wanted to, I just want to get the information out. Like these, like the protocols I do, I just publicly want to give it. I, um, but I can't because if I do, they censor it. Mm -hmm. so like, do you know I, what it was that got you banned this past time? Um, okay. let's, let's remember so, you used the word flu. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. so there's a little bit of the Rona stuff, like giving people dosages, like saying, take this, like take um, Vermec, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take, stuff. Take, stuff. take stuff. Take stuff. Take the virals and take this dosage. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, like my in, in my sex mojo protocol, I, I published my sex protocol, like how much cabergoline to take and how much PT one forty one to take, and that got flagged. And then polygamy stuff. Really? Like, like you know, it's funny. I, if I have two girls, just even in bathing suits, mm. like these, like these pictures, like this. That can get flagged I, because I think there's a certain type of like woman or something on the other side that's the final say in these things that doesn't like that kind of mm. stuff because you can have girls that are nude showing nipples and all this. Yeah, like, got I've got, I got a lot of nudity on my feed here mm -hmm. and compared to my stuff, like what's the difference? Okay, there's a man, there's two women, they're worshiping me, that kind of thing. Maybe that's offensive, more offensive to some people. I think what you're pointing out is probably the key to a lot of the censorship stuff that's going on. I would have to say that like um, Twitter isn't owned by me. YouTube's not owned by me. You know, uh, we're all like guests inside these homes of these things that are called social media. Mm. So if you got to take your fucking shoes off to get into my house, then that's the way it is. You know, I, I set the rules, right? Um, however, where I told, so I, I disagree with you in one regard that, um, I think they should be allowed to police these things whatever way they see fit because these are private entities. And uh, I want to be able to run my business the way that I want to be able to run my business. I know that you want to run your business the way that you want to. Um, you don't want to have to have a lot of regulations and stuff like that. But some regulation or some law or something is important because, uh, you know, you don't want people just randomly going through your uh, place of business um, 
that don't belong there, right? Like it's it's your you know it's your building. You pay rent there. You have supplies, right? So so there's a lot of things where it's like, well, shit. Now we got to kind of apply a rule to it. But I agree with what you're saying in that. Why sometimes does this thing get picked off and not this other thing? Mm. Just because someone's like gaining some popularity, just because this person has a hundred thousand subscribers. But how come the person that has 10,000 is not getting the same or just because of the way it looks as opposed to the way something else looks? And then who the fuck determines that? Mm. Yeah, but the tech giants have a monopoly. This is the problem. So if they have a monopoly, now they have a responsibility to make it an open forum, in my opinion. They, but otherwise, a, they're filtering all of society. But it, and that's dangerous. But it's a monopoly on what? It's a monopoly on us trying to be the media, which is all new. Right. Like why? Like we're not uh, the, the media in the past. It was all like set up a specific way to like deliver a message, deliver the news. And it was censored a certain way, which you can you I think we can all agree. Like it was so censored that that probably wasn't good either. Yeah. Because it was very like white America, especially through like the 50s, 60s, 70s and maybe even further uh, where it was like everyone spoke a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And you thought that that's the way everyone had to be. And if if people didn't fit that narrative, they weren't on TV. Usually they weren't part, they weren't part of anything or they had an exceptionally hard time being able to like break through on a lot of those things. So right now, I think what we're experiencing is, you know, now I'm fucking Tom Brokaw or whatever. And you're, uh, you know, whoever, right. Right. That is popular that, that delivers a message every day. And so I don't know if we, I don't know if it makes sense for us to be completely uncensored. What do you think about that? I think we should be completely uncensored. And I think we have to break up monopolies. You know, I'm I'm capitalist and I love freedom and all that. But if there's one thing the government, I think, should do is prevent a business from becoming so powerful that it has like undue influence and it becomes almost a fascist mini government. And with the technology, that's what's happening. The technology is so powerful, it can basically digitally assassinate you. You know, and I've experienced this because I was so censored before I was deplatformed. I mean, it trickled down to everything electronic, even my bank accounts, even my Tinder account. Like when the tech giants come at you, they they come at you from so many different angles. And I know so I know what happens behind the scenes to when people get deplatformed. It's a lot more than just being removed from one or two platforms. Like you saw how connected everything is with Parler, for Mm -hmm. example. Uh you know, when Parler got taken down, not only did uh, the, the app got removed from Apple and it got moved, removed from the Google store and they their hosting, they shut their hosting down, every angle destroyed. And and, you know, it, it, that's why it's a monopoly, because Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these other ones, they'll come together to eliminate anybody else from coming in the market. And now they're able to completely control the information. And that's dangerous, right? That's like having one person in control of the entire food supply, one person being in control of the entire water supply. And maybe to make matters even scarier, they are robots. <laughs> so this is an algorithm. It's not a human. It's not really even humans that that's dictating a lot of this. Yeah, what's frustrating is when that's something wild. gets flagged and you can't even figure out why, and there's no one to talk mm. to. And you're like, this just doesn't make any sense, like, mm. why this would get flagged. I think it would be hard for anyone to even know why it got flagged, even mm-hmm. the, even some a representative of that company, because they didn't specifically design the software to, like, be able to block whatever it is that you posted. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I say just let all the information out or at least protect. Like one thing the government could do is protect smaller businesses from larger businesses attacking and destroying them. That's the problem. Parlor was on a great trajectory. It was growing so fast. I even started a parlor channel and the views were starting to go up. Why exactly did it get banned? They say that they, the, the reasoning the tech giants have is it, it was promoting uh, violence because people were talking about storming the Capitol at that time. Oh, so that's around the period which, that it which was. Which is nothing to do with that. It all has to do with just plainly eliminating competition. Not for money. Parler wasn't making wasn't making any money, you know, but it was eliminating the competition of the control of information. You see how dangerous that is? Mm. So so now now you know that if there's any app or any media that it is part of this system, this one under one monopoly. Mm. Like even Fox News, it's still under that monopoly. You know, you feel it's controlled opposition. So that's the problem. So like once you start censoring it just never, it's just going to get worse and worse. That's why I think there should be no censorship. I mean, you can still put parental filters for your children. You can have an option to filter things on your phone. By the way, right now, you know, all your phones are set to automatically filter a lot of stuff, but you can actually turn off some of the filters. Your phone's not just because Instagram's added all the, that each, filter each on. App, but... Each app has its own filter. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. even, but what, then um, even even the Apple iPhone filters what apps you can even have on your phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned bank accounts. Um, you mind going in a little deeper? You said you kind of know behind the scenes what what is happening to people. They're not only getting deplatformed, Tinder. but yeah, what? Yeah, they yeah, and why are they? So from let me get this straight: from one platform to another, they're even crossing over into other platforms, and they're even crossing over into your personal life. Yes. Yeah. Like at the same time, the, at the same time I get deplatformed from uh, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, then also my the, my Tinder <laughs> goes down and my bank accounts get frozen. And it was everything. It permeated everything. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so much power and so much control. And how is this all happening at one time? It's almost like it's the same thing that happened to Trump. It's like someone hit a button and he was eliminated from all these different things. It wasn't just like he got eliminated from one platform. He got wiped out. Mm. And it happens every time. Like, uh, I, can't, I forget the names of all these other people. That's the dangerous part. These people that you think have so much influence and you think they'll be legends forever. And then they just get digitally assassinated and people forget about them because of the short attention spans. And they're getting their brains filled with new information that the system wants you to have so that you forget about all that other information and other people. Can't remember the last time I thought of a Jones. I don't know if I don't want to say his name. Yeah. Yeah. You know I was, that's what like, I was trying to think about. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't seen any of his stuff in a minute because now he's not, has his own website with everything that he does, but you don't really mm-hmm. think about him anymore because mm-hmm. he's not on any of these platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So of course we're on these people's platforms. We have to play by their rules, but I think that something really needs to change with the system. Otherwise, how do people, how can you have freedom if you don't have the information to make your own decision? If the information is being controlled, the input, it's like a math equation. Then the answer to the math equation is going to be whatever they want it to be. You can't do your own math. And that's how they're controlling everybody. And as I see it, like we're all, even myself, I'm being controlled to some extent. I have to be mindful every day about what information is true and accurate and what my, what actually do I want and what's best for me versus what something uh, or, the, or the technology or the a certain 
uh, political angle is trying to influence me. Well, know? platforms like Patreon, you can say whatever you want to say there, right? No, the- Patreon's censored also. Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I researched that deeply because I was everybody was telling me I should go on there. Now there's Rumble? Rumble, Rumble. seems pretty uncensored, but it just doesn't have enough traffic yet. It'll probably take time. I mean, once it, once it gets popular, it probably yeah. gets censored too. I mean, the, the future of, is blockchain social media, from what I understand. I'm not the expert on this. but Yeah, like, um, like the cryptocurrency type thing, like yeah. the same technology where it, it's not centralized, where no one person has control mm. over it. And you could have truly under uncensored content. But then, of course, what's going to happen? The Apple Store is going to ban mm-hmm. access to it as best they can. And Google's going to make it so it's hard to find in a search. And, mm-hmm. you know, but eventually that's how – if people get over to that, then that's how people will gain their humanity and their individualism back again. Mm. Yeah. It's tough with this kind of – this is like a newfound power, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know um, what people are maybe trying to prevent. Mm-hmm. Um because the the fastest way to get answers is to usually throw a lot of criticism at stuff and to put a lot of information out there. But I I also think that maybe people are thinking like in these times, you know, if somebody was to, uh, you know, take this particular medication to help fight off this potential thing that's going around, you know, maybe that could be really dangerous. And the government, I think a lot of times steps in and uh, doesn't think that we know best for ourselves. I think that's kind of uh, definitely debatable, um, but for them to think that they know what's best for us, uh, I think that's even more problematic because who's to say what that is? That's really difficult to to pinpoint what that is. Yeah, so it's a matter of where you believe the power distribution should be. Should the power be with the people and the individual or do we need the government, which is people who control the government? You know. It's not, the government is a is a tool for more powerful people to control less powerful people mainly. So like do we think that the super powerful people in the world should be able to tell us how to live our lives or what to put in our body or what medicine to use, you know? And, you know, maybe, you know, it's kind of like uh, parents telling children what they should do. You know, if you think about it, our parents should tell a child what to do and not to do up until a certain age. You know, so there, if you think about it from that perspective, the rest of humanity – that's not billionaires need to be told what to do because they're not competent enough to, you know, be productive without it. You know, and the, 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 the idea behind control and communism too, is like people don't have the ability to make their own good decisions for themselves and the community. Mm. So the decisions need to be made for them. It's an, it's all an interesting point. I mean, if, if uh, there was no regulations on seatbelts, eventually people would have probably come to their own conclusion on whether they thought a seatbelt was appropriate for them or not. Mm. I mean, I think they did at some point, right? Um, Same thing with like smoking, you know, it's like, do we, I mean, a lot of people got very sick and, you know, a lot of people ended up with cancer. And so it's, you know, do we need the regulations? It seemed like the regulations may have helped, especially, uh, you know, having people not smoke so close to restaurants and stuff. I think some people that, uh, maybe never even got started. We're just like the hell with it. I'm not even going to bother. But I think for other people, you know, that were trying to uh, quit, it may have been a little bit of a deterrent in their habits as well. And maybe it, maybe it assisted them. But again, I think people would still found what felt right to them and what felt appropriate for them. 
Yeah, and and people should have the right to ki- to hurt themselves if they want to. I mean, it's their body. If they want to smoke, that's I think they should have the right to. Do that. As long as they're not smoking in front of someone else, that's you know secondhand smoke is to a point where it's going to affect someone else's health. Mm-hmm. Then what does it what does it matter? That's what. So uh, oh, but then the problem is if you have government health care and everything else, then it's is it a burden on the health care system? But then you know, I guess going to long hold the, the anxiety protocol. That's what, uh, that's We're what we've been building up back to. There. Yeah. Okay, there let's go. get it. <laughs> it's right here. Poor Andrew. Andrew's waiting for, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. come up like three times wow. now. Just yeah. Like, hey, uh, can we get back? Uh, I feel okay. like it's a tease, like a TV show or something mm-hmm. where they keep teasing you. Like, oh, they're going to tell Commercial you what's going to happen. Nope. Yep. Andrew has no more fingernails left. Yeah. Over there. <laughs> uh, so, because you have a monopoly on this protocol, so that's why you're able to treat it this way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So here's the way I think about it. I think about it with pathways, and I think about it sort of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you got to satisfy the most basic things. Mm-hmm. If you have something that's really stressing you out, like it's going to be hard to just use chemistry around it if the problem is still there. Um, so I think of the different pathways as lifestyle, diet, exercise, supplements, and uh, medications. And you could add more pathways, but at least by that. I think a big problem is caffeine. I think in a, in a, a lot of places, but especially America, like, wow, I go in and these energy drinks, 300 milligrams of caffeine, and people hit a couple of these per day. It's okay. I mean, the grand scheme of things, there's a lot worse things. But the problem is I think it is increasing the anxiety, mm. and I think there's better alternatives. So caffeine is kind of like uh, just adrenaline and you know, if your goal is to have energy, yeah, okay, a little bit of adrenaline's good, but there's other pathways that are better. If your goal is to have sports performance, yeah, okay, adrenaline's good, but there's other pathways that are better. So like for any purpose that someone's using or appetite suppressant, there's better appetite suppressants. So caffeine is kind of like a do everything drug, but it's I think of it like a dirty drug because it has the side effects, it builds tolerance, mm. you have a crash and increases, you know, your cortisol and stress response and all that. So if the idea is to get rid of anxiety, then we want to minimize caffeine or other medications that that have a side effect of anxiety. And instead, for whatever goal we were using the caffeine for, use something with less side effects. Uh, so for example, green tea is a great alternative because yes, it's got caffeine, but it also balances it with theanine. Mm. So you're a lot more relaxed and it helps you actually be more focused. And instead of being anxious, you, you have the energy boost and, but you can also channel it better. Mm -hmm. What about just uh, supplementing with theanine? Absolutely. 200 Mm -hmm. milligrams of theanine. Mm -hmm. Noticeable, noticeable difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, I'm surprised that it's not more popular as a supplement. It's an amino acid. It costs almost nothing and you can feel. Helps you metabolize caffeine, right? Something like that. I, you know, I'm not exactly sure how I've been taking it my whole adult life every once in a while, but I'm not sure exactly what pathway, how it works with the neurotransmitters. Huberman has that in his sleep protocol. Mm -hmm. L-theanine. Yeah. As far as I understand it, it just kind of like takes the, uh, I don't want to say the edge, but like sometimes if you take a little bit too much caffeine, you get a little like shaky. Mm. Um, L-theanine kind of calms that down without making you like sleepy. Like if that makes sense. Take the edge off. That's a good, I like, Mm -hmm. I like when you say it like that. Um, So then- we're talking about stimulants on the stimulant pathway. I like something like modafinil or Adderall can be really good in lower dosages. Ritalin can be really good on lower dosages. I don't understand why people take so much. Then they get, then they become more anxious. Mm. But some of these things you take a little bit and it keeps you focused because part of anxiety too is, okay, if you're focused on one 
activity and you're 100% in on that activity and you're not distracted, it's, it's, it's harder to be anxious. Right. Anxiety is when like things start building up in the back of your head. So oh, kind of like fuck. the rolling rock doesn't gra- gather moss or something. I need to hear you say it sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't say? I don't remember what it is, but I oh, I think man. you're on the right track. Yeah, I'll have to call my mom after this. Yeah. Uh it's kind of like that. If you're focused on one thing, then all the other things kind of fade away. I think that's important for anxiety. You can't, mm. if you're worried about many different things at once, and I have to practice this myself, I have to think sometimes I'm, I feel a little stressed and I'm like, okay, why am I, I need to, uh, I need to assess why I'm stressed. And I'm like, oh, it's because this girl sent me this message earlier. And then I'm like, why am I so stressed about that? That doesn't even make any sense why I'd be stressed. But the emotional residue from that mm-hmm. remains until you acknowledge it. And then when I acknowledge it, I'm like, okay, that's why I'm stressed. I don't need to be stressed about that. I need to just drop that. Mm-hmm. And then boom, the anxiety is gone. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Okay. It's, it's so simple. You've been saying it correctly the whole yeah. time. Yeah, it's so simple, huh? <laughs> so you said modafinil. Um, I mean, I don't think you can just like go get that anymore. So could you substitute that with a certain nootropic that you recommend? Because um, I, I know I've yeah. taken modafinil in the past and I didn't really notice anything, but I wasn't looking for that specific benefit. I was looking for more of just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, focus, but not the way you described it just now. Anything in the nootropic category is going to be along the same lines, maybe yeah. not as effective. But uh, I'd say the one thing to know about nootropics is they uh, – it's like upgrading your engine, but you still need more fuel. And the neurotransmitter that gets depleted when you use nootropics is choline, mm. which a lot of nootropic stacks all have choline, alpha-GPC yeah. or CDP or citicholine, different mm. versions of it. Uh, you don't want to take just choline by itself because it's not absorbable so much through the brain. You get headaches uh, too, yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, you get headaches if you're deficient in choline. Yeah, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Yes. I, I couldn't remember if you have too much or too little, you get headaches. Whole headaches lot, yeah. and brain fog. Whole eggs. Lots yeah. of choline. Yeah. Yes. Lots. So that's how I get it in. Uh, for my daughters, I make sure they eat whole eggs every day. Because that's a choline source for children too, mm. much better for their, I mean like AD, ADD children like should be treated with eggs or choline or CDP choline or alpha GPC and magnesium. Like those two supplements alone Damn. would probably fix half of the ADHD problems out there with children. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I do the same thing. Also magnesium. I mean, how simple is that? We're all deficient in magnesium. There's a hundred, there's thousand reasons for your body to, to take more magnesium, but anxiety is such a huge problem. Mm. It, even if it was just beneficial for anxiety, take more magnesium. And I don't know whether it's because the food supply has less magnesium or what, but I can tell you by taking magnesium every day, I feel like I should feel. If I don't take magnesium every day, then I feel anxious. And 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 it's not going to help to take a benzodiazepine and it's not going to help to take a sleeping pill. I'll still have the anxiety coming from the, the, from the magnesium deficiency. And different genetics, this is going to be a bigger issue in some people than others because um, how well your body holds on to minerals is genetic. And I had a genetic test done that said that my body gets rid of magnesium, but it holds zinc. So I'm not, su- hmm. I'm not supposed to need as much zinc, but I'm supposed to need a lot of magnesium. Hmm. And I had really bad restless legs growing up, restless legs. which is kind of yeah. like anxiety. It feels like your legs just want to kick. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's just, do you get this? Interesting. Ever, my wife, I've never had to, that. My wife used to get it a lot. And now that we've actually been having more magnesium because of element electrolytes, like I can't remember the last time she had it. Yeah. 
Wild. It's it's a really it's a common problem, and and actually a lot of people don't even realize it's a problem. They just they're just anxious at night, or they have hard time sleeping. And it doesn't have to just be in the legs. Yeah. You can also just feel like physically tight, or just you're physically not relaxed. And magnesium helps that a lot. But uh, I have to take magnesium twice a day for sure. I take it in the morning, and I notice I'm noticeably more relaxed during the day. I take it at night, and I'm and I sleep like I don't kick in my sleep as much, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. and I don't wake up with. My legs. I mean, when I was a child, it was so bad. I would kick the side of the couch to make my leg go numb. That's how bad it was. And I didn't know it was a magnesium Shit. deficiency. Wow. So a lot of people listening to this is going to make it be an absolute life game changer for it. Uh, okay. So next would be, uh, so I like, you know, when you feel like the world is on top of you and the rolling rock gets no moss, the Adderall or something that increases dopamine also that, makes you feel motivated to do something, helps you break through the anxiety. That's kind of what we talked about before. Mm. And then for the stimulants to replace caffeine, uh, I have an albuterol inhaler. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. It, it actually makes you have a little bit of the anxiety feeling, but not a negative one. It's kind of like just, it gives you an edge, but a good edge. You want to get you know up and to go. Describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, synephrine is a great replacement for caffeine. It's better at fat burning. It doesn't affect the heart rate so much. Your heart doesn't get flutter. You don't get like, you know, dizzy, like what happens if you get too much caffeine and all mm-hmm. that. And then uh, salbutamol. Uh, which is, I think that's uh, the same as albuterol. It's just albuterol is the inhaler and salbutamol is the pills. Mm-hmm. Right? And th- these are also, sim- that's also similar to clenbuterol, but the problem with clenbuterol is it just got a long half-life. That's mm. why the, the side effects are so bad. Your body never gets a break. And that's the other important thing to, for anxiety, you have to take a, you have to, you want to go up. I think of it like a pendulum. So you swing the pendulum towards energy and, and you're doing things and you swing the pendulum towards sleep and rest parasympathetic and sympathetic systems. Mm -hmm. And if you swing the pendulum more towards energy, like you work out really hard, you sleep better, right? Isn't that interesting? But if you just sit around all day, you know, maybe your sleep's not going to be that, that good. Mm -hmm. So I think that dynamic lifestyle of you, you like work hard, play hard, but you work hard, rest hard, work hard, play hard, rest hard. Mm. And so your rest also impacts how you're going to feel the next day. Mm. And so you also want a deep sleep. So you want to make sure you have good deep sleep and you want to make sure that the stimulants you're taking, yes, stimulants I think are fine, but when you're high on the stimulants, you know, embrace that, but then also you have to counter that by equally intense sleep. Mm. Like how many people, like they ride, they go, they swing the pendulum high towards the stimulants and then they pay no attention to the rest and the sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's the secret also to preventing side effects from all this stuff is, is use the pendulum because that's how the body naturally works. And that's why chronic side effects uh, accumulate with with uh, using pharmaceuticals and stuff because the, you're pushing the pendulum one direction and not letting it swing the other. So the supplements that I take for sleep, I actually just walked through my supplements and looked at what I have mm-hmm. here. Uh, THC. Uh, well, should, should I, say, I can say? Yes, yes. I already did. So <laughs> I didn't say it's, that. Like, it's legal in California. So let me ask this because I've heard some people say that um, – THC will make you, it can make you feel tired, but necessarily actually getting good rest is that, do you actually go through all your sleep cycles well, or do you just feel more tired and able to KO? I'd say with alcohol, there's no question. you you sleep, you pass out, but you don't get restful sleep. Mm-hmm. But with, with uh, THC, I feel like I get pretty restful sleep. I mean, it's kind of a feel thing. Like, how do you feel the next day? Do you feel emotionally balanced? 
I think it's not good to take it every night for sleep mm-hmm. because I think there's probably like, and I'm not the, I'm not an expert on this, but listen to this theory and maybe change the way you think about it. So every night you go to sleep, you have different sleep. There's certain benefits that come through sleep and there's mm-hmm. certain benefits of each sleep cycle. And some of those you need every night. And some of those you probably benefit from twice a day. Like you take a nap and you get some of the benefits of the sleep that you get at night. But then when you sleep at night, you get even more benefits. You get those benefits plus even more because you sleep deeper and you go through more sleep phases and you sleep longer. I think it's the same time thing if you look over a whole week. So some nights maybe you if you get certain type of sleep and other nights you get other type of sleep. So I think on the THC you get maybe a little bit different type of sleep. Mm. Than on other nights. So in THC, I don't, uh, I don't dream. I, I think that's a common thing. People say they don't dream so much on on THC. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the audience can weigh in on that. I should ask more people. Um, but then when you come off the THC, you start dreaming again. So okay, so maybe there's something missing with THC sleep. So don't do it every night. And then I started taking methylene blue, and that makes me dream. So like, okay, blue. this is giving me a different type of sleep. So maybe some nights I use THC and sometimes I, I use uh, methylene blue. And if you look at the whole week, I'm getting all different, t- all types of sleep. Mm. What is methylene blue? It's a, it's, it's a dye. It's used in micros- microscopy, like looking at our microscope and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's used as a coloring in things. And it's, uh, it just, it does something to the mitochondria over the entire body, something really protective. It's really nice, but it also acts as an SSRI, increases serotonin in the brain when you sleep. Oh, wow. So I think maybe it's increased serotonin results in more dreams or something. I don't know, something that's affecting the brain. It's okay. also a neuroprotective compound. Okay. So it's doing something in the brain, and it might be as a result of the increase in serotonin that's causing the more dreaming. Uh, so there's supplements. So CBD, right? Uh, ashwagandha, rhodiola, those are also ingredients in the sleep juice, the natural herbs that are, that lower anxiety and lower, lower cortisol. So the enhanced sleep juice itself has a bunch of these type of things. Phosphatidylserine. This is one I've been really li- liking lately. I take it every morning to take the edge off. We keep mm-hmm. saying take the edge off, but I take stimulants and nootropics and I also want to be relaxed. I don't need like the anxiety side of it. Mm-hmm. So the phosphatidylserine noticeably balances it along with the magnesium and chamomile tea. Like I mentioned for the PT 141, get rid of the nausea. That's also a relaxing tea commonly used for nighttime. Also good, but why not drink it in the daytime? Right. Mm. It doesn't necessarily make you sleepy. It just takes the edge off. And then, uh, psilocybin, um, 75 milligrams to hundred milligrams is a, is a microdose. And that's really good at getting rid of anxiety and keeping you focused. Mm. And you can also be really creative on it at the same time, which is interesting because usually you got to choose with the nootropics and stuff, whether you're going towards focus or creativity, mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to have both, Yeah, but you actually get focus and creativity from a low dose psilocybin and also just doing a mushroom reset every once in a while, just reset. to cleanse the brain of any kind of trauma or, uh, yeah, it lets you think much clearer afterwards. As in a high dose? Yeah. You say yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. It's, they call it a reset. Huh? Okay. Like it's it's almost like it gets rid of your emotional baggage and you're able to kind of focus on the present mm. better going gotcha. forward. And then on the prescription side, um, something my audi- audience and guru Amin and a lot of people I talk to recommend, I don't recommend this and I haven't tried it yet, but low dosage opiates also and like tramadol. And we're talking low dosage, not addicting and never, and you don't go up in dosage and it just takes the edge off 
Uh, and you and you can say that okay, that's very unhealthy. But on the other hand, how unhealthy is it to be stressed and anxious all the time? Mm-hmm. And when you're anxious, you could make bad decisions, and then those bad decisions cause you other. If you're not thinking clearly and you're making decisions out of fear, then you make bad decisions, which can lead to even more anxiety later. Uh, but the alternative that would be a kratom, also, right? Mm. And which today I took. I took it before I came here. Um, Chris Bell mm-hmm. gave me a bottle of the Mind Bullet liquid, awesome. so I took a shot of that. And I told him, I, I said, I should just stay. I haven't taken it for a while. I should just take half. Uh, he said, "Oh my God, you're Tony huge peer pressure." Jeez. Yeah, peer pressured into it. it. So I took the whole thing. So I'm on kratom right now, and I feel good. Um, kratom actually na- grows natively in Thailand too. Mm. It's like like uh, my one of my girlfriends pulls the leaves off the tree and just. Uh, shit, send us some. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you got actually more of it for cheaper here, but it grows on the trees there. How, mm. how cool is that? That is cool. Just pull it off and chew on it. Uh, so the, the, the kratom works on the same receptor as the opioids, except for kratom is a lot less addicting. So I think that's a mm-hmm. valid replacement on that pathway. And then I have a prescription for Zyrem, which is GHB, and that's a liquid, salty, clear liquid. And you know, that because it's liquid, it can choose the dosage. So yeah, if I want to sleep, I can take a very high dosage. If I just want to take the edge off as an anti-anxiety, I can take a very low dosage. Mm. And remember, just like any chemistry, if you're taking a low dosage and you're cycling it and you know, taking breaks and not building a tolerance, there's minimal to no side effects of a lot of chemistry. It's always a problem when you abuse it. Uh, and then ADHD medications in general can be really helpful because they make you more focused and like same, same reason I keep talking about before. Uh, but the worst thing, what people take in America mostly is benzodiazepines like the Xanax and the Klonopin and things like that. And those are addicting. And then when you come off of those, you feel even more anxiety and they decrease mental performance because your brain just works slower. Mm. Um, so I think those are okay once in a while, but I, I think, you know, taking them every day is a, is a serious problem. Um, but that's almost like a reset. Like if you need every once in a while to just really relax, I think that's fine to take it every once in a while. It's not like the next day you're going to feel terrible. It takes time to build up a tolerance or withdrawals to it. And then avoiding alcohol, I think is really helpful. And then on the exercise side, um, well, actually about heart rate, Nebivalol, I take as a beta blocker, slows my heart rate down, which also then relaxes you. Oh, which is similar Similar idea at Botox. If I do Botox up here and it relaxes my eyebrow muscles, that actually relaxes me psychologically as well because you don't realize how much tension that you carry. And if you're, mm. if you, if your stress causes you tension, then your tension causes you stress. So if you relieve the physical stress, then like, even if you just go, like, if you don't do Botox, if you massage your eyebrows or have someone massage these places that build used to make my kids fall asleep that way and rub their head. Yeah. Pass right out. Maybe that's why people think I'm high all the time. Because you're on Botox? No, because my eyebrows (laughs) are like, my eyebrows are always (laughs) here. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's like my eyes are always like this. Mm -hmm. So people always say, are you high? Like, no, I'm not. Because your eye, are your eyes relaxed? My eyes are like almost always relaxed. Like, like when I, we used to work at the old super training, this is before I really ever smoked anything. There'd just be this guy, Steve, he'd be like, why are you high and see him? I'm like, dude, I'm not fucking high. I'm just chill. Like I get that all the time and it's kind of funny to me, but. Okay. So now what happens if you open your eyes as big as you can? Bigger, bigger. 
That's as, that's, oh, okay. as, that's as big as I can go. It looks it looks good, but it's not it's not as funny as I thought. You know, when I tell a Korean person to do that, <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, you you see that when you know when the Koreans open their eyes really big. Oh, oh my god, Tony! I got to look that up. I'm gonna add. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna make a get a video clip of that. Actually, Korean <laughs> Korean oh, eyes god. wide open. I had a friend in high in high school that anytime I needed some entertainment, I'd be like, "Robin, open your eyes as big as you can." <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh man! So on the on the exercise side, oh, so I just talked about nabivolol bringing the heart rate down. Is that's really that's one of my favorites. I just because also when you get stressed, your heart rate increases. But if you and clonopin does a similar thing for me too. Mm-hmm. Like you get stressed, but you have no physical response to the stress. It's so easy to handle the stress. It's always like the stress causes a physical response that amplifies the stress. So if you can block that, then you block this sort of parad- self-fulfilling prophecy and paradox. It just We had the disclaimer before this video, correct? Uh, no, we, we, we went live, so there was no disclaimer. Okay. So if you can shoot that disclaimer. I don't know the exact disclaimer. Uh, but you know, just, are, you, are you a doctor in SEMA? None of us are doctors. Okay. This is purely educational. Just... Entertainment. Entertainment. Even. This is purely entertainment. Um, I feel like I should wear a disclaimer. Like I should just walk like great. on my shirt. Yeah. Oh, that's another great idea. Yeah. Nobody do anything that was said on this podcast. Yes. Don't should, listen to any of us. We should probably get the disclaimer before this podcast after we're done. Oh, then I have to take it down. I think you might have to do that. I used to have a good disclaimer. It was like, I'm none of this is medical advice or legal advice. Uh, this is for entertainment, educational purposes only. No lady boys were harmed in the making of this video. <laughs> Bam. Put that in the front. <laughs> we're covered. Uh, so next with the exercise, obviously you sleep a lot better and you're a lot more relaxed when mm-hmm. you exercise. And for me, I think we all have different body types, but for me, I notice, and I don't do this every day, but I should. If I get up in the morning and I do something physical, I can deal with stress all day so much better. Mm. A little bit of cardio in the morning. Something where you get your heart rate up because of physical activity, not because of mental activity. Yeah. Because otherwise, your heart rate is just way too responsive to stress later in the day. It's like you got to burn out, burn out the physical energy first. And also before bed, something physical, which you know could be a romantic thing or – or you could just do like push-ups and sit-ups, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I don't mean like right before bed, but sometime in the evening. And then also for me is stretching and foam rolling and spinal decompression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Then when I, and, and if I stretch to where it's painful or I have my girls massage me actually usually and I have them do it really painful. So I'll have one using her elbow on my calves or my hamstring because those are really tight spots for me. And I'll have the other one uh, on my neck in in my upper back those are like the two points that relax my whole body the most Mm. both at the same time hard to where it's painful and then when they stop you're relaxed Mm. you know like you you have the more the more pain or you Mm. feel the more you can relax afterwards that that same pendulum idea and then uh i got on the side of the bed and stretch like that so it acts like a foam roller to my back and Mm -hmm. decompress everything and then deep breathing always for anxiety breathing is is one of the easiest things you can do. You can, I mean, you can do so many different breathing exercises. You got a breathing exercise? It seems like something. Yeah, you'd box have. box breathing. It's real simple. You go three seconds in or four seconds in, hold for three or four seconds, and then do the same amount of seconds out. Yeah, it's really really simple, and you can do that for like five sets. 
there that's uh some simple box breathing and you can kind of manipulate it whatever way you'd like but and maybe as you get more used to it you can do more seconds because three seconds is not very long so maybe you can do five seconds in five second hold five seconds out that type of thing so the the breathing itself is relaxing to the body and then it's also like a meditation because you're focusing on your breathing so there's Mm. double benefits there uh and then naps for me are really helpful. Like I need a nap every day, even if it's 10 minutes mm. is such a good reset. Uh, especially if I'm using stimulants too in the morning, then when I crash, it's a nap and then I can take stimulants again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I can stay on chemistry all day. Right? <laughs> and you are a test tube. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like of stress in general. I, some stress is good. Like working out is stress and there's work struggling. So some stress is good and too much is bad. Mm. But, but if you, if you work out harder and you feel more stress, then it's just a matter of swinging the pendulum back and recovering better. Mm. And if you feel more emotional stress, then it's just swing the pendulum back to, you need to rest and, and center yourself even more. And that's all. And that's fine for the pendulum to swing. I think maybe some people try to avoid you know, stress altogether completely. Mm -hmm. And then they just become so sensitive to stress. They can't handle stress. Mm -hmm. So I think it's better to take on a ton of stress really hard in a shorter period of time and then rest more. Same thing with exercise. You don't exercise for eight hours. You exercise hard and short, and then you're resting the rest of the time. And I think emotionally and psychologically, if we approach it the same way, would be a lot healthier. So uh, I love the sauna. I love cold, hot, mm. cold showers. Sauna's great. All of these help me relax. Obviously, I give this stuff a lot of thought because I'm naturally a very anxious person. So I, I have to learn all this stuff. So maybe someone less anxious than me doesn't have to do all these things I have to do, but they can borrow one of these things, maybe make a significant difference. Because if, um, you know, another one is sexual. I just saw one last one there, sexual, sexual tension. You know, like um, there's a difference between, I think, just having sex and having an orgasm and actually like getting really fulfilled and scratching an itch, you know, and if you can really and some of us have some weird sexual fetishes and desires, you know, but I tell you when I when I fulfill like something weird that I like to do sexually, um, I feel so much more relaxed for a period of time, like maybe only once a week, like I get to do my crazy sex stuff once a week. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, and I don't need it. And it's just not even something I need anymore. It's something I want anymore. I'm not thinking about it. Because sex is like hunger. It's like, it's like a need that's always inside of us until you release it. And so you want to release it often enough. You know, this is where I, I disagree with. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Circles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I disagree with the not having an orgasm, like the no fapping, or I don't know what oh, yeah, exactly no this movement is. Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. But I think the orgasm is a really good way to, I mean, you can orgasm and still hold back the semen if you yeah. want. If you need to not lose the semen, you can mm-hmm. orgasm and hold it. So, yeah, yeah nofap isn't even a, it's not about not, uh, I guess, not ejaculating. Nofap is more so you don't want to use pornography to do so. Oh. That's what it's, it's more so be, for, yeah. It's more so for people that so have like pornography. So what's fap stand for? Uh, fapping. Well, it doesn't, it's not like short for anything. Fap is fapping, which noise. is jacking out. just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but no fap is literally just trying to get people off of porn addiction. Like you, you can still beat your meat to, a, you know, but just don't do it to porn. That's the idea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people are very addicted to pornography, as I was when I was younger. You think it was an addiction? Oh yeah, dude! I started watching porn at eleven years old. 
But like an addiction is a is yes, negative thing. Yes, it negatively it affected negative? me because I was like I was watching it too much, where it got in the way of me doing things I should do. Oh, so wow. I literally had to take literally cut that out of my life, which took me a long time to do. But I had to stop doing that so I could focus on other things. Negatively affected the way I looked at women and all that type of shit. And then like I did that for a while, got it. Not por- addicted to porn anymore. It took me thirteen years, so I was able to get not addicted to porn by the age of 24 but it took a long time of like fucking relapsing to finally get out of that shit so there's nothing Mm. wrong with masturbation but masturbating to porn especially for men who get on it when they're young Mm. like if you're 11 fucking years old and you're seeing people doing shit on a screen that's not normal and then if if that's like you're yeah that's not normal so that's what that whole movement's about not just not jerking off now that's really interesting i gotta analyze my own psychology when it comes to that now after this i'm gonna think about it yeah i mean you just think about like if you just watched uh just tons and tons of horror movies and scary movies that just had you know awful stuff in it all the time Mm -hmm. i would imagine at some point it's going to impact you you know and then we yes we really hold sex to be like a it's a really important thing for a lot of us and it's uh we assign a high value assignment to it sometimes it like uh makes you uh feel more of whatever you are makes you feel more manly or more womanly or more sex or sexier or whatever. There's a lot of attachment to it all. So, uh, pornography is a really in a weird category, you know, where you, 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 I think people should be very conscious of, of how much they're consuming and what they're watching. And, um, I think you can get, definitely get desensitized to stuff because mm. you can see so many different versions of so many different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a while, just maybe don't care about it as much. It's pretty rare that I would watch porn because I just don't have time, right? If I have a certain amount of time I can attribute to romance, and so I want to use that with a girl. And if I yeah. watch porn, it's taking away from that yeah. that time. But when I was younger, when I was younger, I did watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it, it increased my libido and sex drive. It made me want sex more. I thought that was kind of a good thing. I was even thinking about getting back into porn again as an experiment to see if it even increases my sex drive. I would agree with that side of it, too. I think it could be potentially a little helpful for some people. Yeah, and, and It can and, be. And there's some information that you produce a little more uh, testosterone. It's also just like, you know, use it, use it or lose it type stuff, right? Like, you got, <laughs> there may be some developments in the last 20 something years since I watched a lot of porn, maybe some new <laughs> maneuvers that I, that I could learn or something yeah. like this. But I, I stay away from horror movies also, actually. You, you do. Know? And kids all, kids want to watch horror movies all with me. Time. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I try to avoid most of them for the, you know, so I would watch like Saw. You know, oh, because can't I sleep because I was curious because I'm curious about the puzzle side of it. You know, if it's like really interesting. But for the most part, I stay away from horror uh, movies because I'm the- afraid, too, when I do a psychedelic or something mm-hmm. that that stuff's going to come up. And I just don't want that in my head. When he throws the chick in that like pit of um, like needles. That's what I was. Fucking yep. When, when, Did when you, you know that that was on my y- mind? Yes, because God. when you shook your hand like that, that's how oh, I feel, yeah, too. I, yeah. It's so weird. But like it just uh, like, yeah. Yeah. That, so that, fuck that, that was movie. The, yeah. That's the worst part of that. That's a wild ass movie. Be careful what information we put in our heads. Yeah, we don't want, Mm -hmm. we don't need that kind of nightmares. Yeah, yeah. If something like that's on TV, like my my daughter, she she likes watching, like you know, she likes watching it and like these other scary movies. It was good, but like that'll be on. And my son, who has no idea what's going on, he's seven months old, but like. No, 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 he just like might like be playing with like I don't know one of his toys, and then he'll look up and be like. And be like, he just will lock on. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, don't watch this. He has no idea what it is, but I still don't want that, like, engraved in his head somewhere. Yeah, like, I don't want, like, you know, like, the first whatever 
couple of movies that you watch and that's like one of them like no i don't i don't want that mm. yeah. it's just weird yeah. take us on out of here andrew i will huge shout out and thank you to merrick for sponsoring today's episode uh, again merrickhealth.com links to them down in the description as well as the podcast show notes follow the podcast at mark bell's power project on instagram at mb power project on tiktok and twitter and if you guys found us right now on youtube because we got a bunch of people that are checking out the live stream please make sure you guys subscribe hit that like button especially for topics or i guess content like uh today's uh, episode where you know, the uh, majority of people might get upset that some of the information was shared today. So make sure you guys like it so that way more people can see it. So that way we don't get put back in the uh, YouTube jail. Uh, follow me on Instagram at I am Andrew Z at uh, yeah, at I am Andrew Z on Instagram and Twitter and at the Andrew Z on TikTok and SEMA. Where you at? At Nsema Yin Yang on Instagram and YouTube at Nsema Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Real quick, guys, if you uh, have Apple Right. Apple podcasts on your phone. Go there and leave a review. Give us a five star review and leave a little comment if you can too. say how much you like this and maybe how much you like Tony. And yeah, yeah, do that. Sometimes on iTunes, we get suppressed when the information is this good. So please, please do so. Tony, where can people find you on everywhere you're at? Well, the new for now, until this one gets deleted too. (laughs) the Tony dot huge Instagram Mm -hmm. and uh, Tony huge link tree. You could search on Google Tony huge dot is website. And yeah, you just got to search Tony Huge and always look for me because I'm censored all over the place and, you know, got to follow so you get notifications on my stuff um, because otherwise it's a lot of it gets shadow banned mm. as well. Thank you for coming into Super Training today. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you uh, are back in the United States for a little bit. It's yeah. always great to have you around. I appreciate you as a friend. Um, you know, you and I cor- correspond quite a bit, even when we're not around each other. So I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just say, give you a heads up like when i talk to people in the gym and i say hey tony huge everyone gets all fired up everybody gets all excited everybody's like yeah tony's a hell of a guy he's an awesome guy so it's always great to have you around appreciate it a lot mm. all right thanks, i'm mark. at mark smelly bell strength is never weakness weakness is never strength catch you guys later